0: Hi, folks. This is Tim Heidecker. You might know me from Tim and Eric and from other uh, movies and TV shows and everything. I host a semi-weekly call-in show called Office Hours. It's uh, broadcast live on my YouTube channel, and it becomes a podcast almost immediately afterwards. So sign up. Thanks to Starburns Audio for making it possible. It's a terrific show. We take your calls. We talk about whatever you want, and we respect you, and we, lo- we love listening to w- your thoughts. It's a lot of good, it's a lot of fun, and we have Doug Lucenhop, DJ Doug Pound, with me. It's a show that you're going to want to explore. It's a show you're going to want to share with your family and your friends and pass along to your uncle. I think he's going to enjoy it as well.
1: Hey, everybody. It's Lisa Lampanelli, the Queen of Maine, and you know what? I got my own podcast. Yeah. Does everyone have one? Pretty much, but mine's different because I'm going to help you like I help myself. Get Stuffed with Lisa Lampanelli every week is going to teach you how to have the fabulous life that I have. If you don't listen, you're just stupid and don't want to help yourself. So don't even listen. I don't even want you to. But if you do, if you disobey my orders and listen, you can go to feralaudio.com or download it from iTunes. But again, don't listen. I don't even care.
0: Today's episode is brought to you by Last Rampage, the new true crime film starring Robert Patrick, Heather Graham, and Bruce Davison. And we had the pleasure of speaking to someone involved with the movie. Hi, my name is Heather Graham, and I'm playing Dorothy Tyson in the movie The Last Rampage. The Last Rampage is a true story about uh, Gary Tyson and how his sons broke him out of prison and uh, it's a very dark story and Gary Tyson is not a good guy. I play his wife and I'm super loyal and devoted to him even though he's pretty much the worst person in the world. in theaters September 22nd, and available for on-demand pre-order August 22nd. Find out more on Twitter by following at
1: LastRampageFilm or on Facebook.com slash LastRampageFilm.
2: This episode of The X-Files Files Files is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, and online store. For a free trial and 10% off, visit squarespace.com and enter offer code XFilesFiles at checkout. A better web starts with your website. Hey, welcome to the show this episode I will be talking to Rhea Butcher, who's a very funny comedian. We're talking about genderbender and we're talking about young at heart. Um, please follow me on Twitter at x files um, and you can email me I'm getting so many wonderful emails, especially since the email episode. Um, so email me at the at gmail.com any thoughts you have, anything I missed, anything you think I got wrong, just anything. Uh, getting a ton of great emails. And on Reddit there's actually an X-Files Files subreddit. I believe it is uh reddit.com slash R slash X-Files Files and there's a bunch of great discussion going on right now about this show, but mostly about the episodes that we've been watching. Uh the episodes of the X-Files, for instance, um some people there disagree with my interpretation of uh, Scully's actions at the end of Beyond the Sea. Um, I still think I hold by my interpretation but their interpretation uh, also makes a lot of sense and it's very interesting and I think that's what's great about the show is that you can talk about it and sort of come away with different stuff from other people so just go talk about the show on Reddit and um, now let's go to Rhea Butcher and Gender Bender Hey, welcome to the X-Files Files. Files. I'm Kamal Nanjiani and our guest tonight, first-timer Rhea Butcher.
1: That is me, Rhea Butcher.
2: So Rhea, thank you for doing the show.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me.
2: You, this is, you've been a fan of the X-Files since when I was first on. Yes. But then you haven't watched it since then.
1: Haven't watched it in a while.
2: So generally speaking, how did it feel watching these two episodes again?
1: Um, I really enjoyed it and I forgot how good of a show it was. Yeah. Just because it's such a show. It's such a show. <laughs> you know, it's like the yeah, of course, the X-Files. So anyway, but like you forget about how good it was week to week for the most part.
2: For the most part.
1: And especially in that time, too, like thinking about what else was on TV in 1992. Yeah, 19- sci-fi wise. I mean, it like cuz I was thinking about what else I was watching at the time, which would probably be Star Trek: The Next Generation and Tales from the Crypt. Tales from the Crypt was on around that? I feel like, yes. I feel like it was at least in uh, in around, rerun. Yeah.
2: You
1: know? that was so a I was great watching a too. lot of, you know, Briscoe County Jr. I was not watching that, but it was on. <laughs>
2: what about those shows <laughs> like Hercules and Xena and oh, all that? Oh,
1: God. I watched so much of that. That
2: was probably a little bit later, right?
1: I feel like, it, Yeah. Yeah. I definitely um Thunder Bay perhaps. I think that's what it was called was on around this time. Thunder Bay? I think that's what it was called. Hulk Hogan's Syndication TV show. That was kind of like Baywatch but like in the Florida Glades.
2: Oh, do you remember, do you know what I'm talking I don't know what you're talking <laughs> about, but I w- I was in Miami recently on a boat mm-hmm. and there's this island there called Billionaire Island. So Miami there's like in the middle of it there's all these islands in the water that just have are developed like you know, people live there. Amazing yes. houses. Super expensive. We're driving by and the guy was like, that's Hulk Hogan's house. And it was this huge fucking house.
1: It was gigantic.
2: Yeah. And it then did it he, have a
1: Hulk Hogan mustache? <laughs> it it had a Hulk front.
2: Hogan mustache. <laughs> it's funny you say that because uh, they there was also David Beckham's house on the same island and that had a huge soccer ball <laughs> outside it. Of course. And then also he wasn't sure if it was Dwayne Wade's house or not. Yeah. But yeah. So, um, so Hulk lives down there. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, this episode, we're talking about two episodes, Gender Bender and Young at Heart. Um, Gender Bender is uh, written by Larry Barber and Paul Barber. They're, that's the only ones they ever wrote. But this is the first one directed by, first X-Files directed by Rob Bowman, who directed a ton of great X-Files episodes. He became one of their guys. Jose Chang's From Outer Space, Paper Hearts, Pusher, ton of the main Arc stories. And then now he works on Castle. And he also directed the movies. He also directed the X-Files movie. Both. Or the first one? The first one. The yeah. second one was Chris Carter. Right. Uh, he's directed the movies Reign of Fire and *Electra*.
1: Whoa. So pretty good. Yeah, pretty good track record. I
2: remember seeing the preview for Reign of Fire and being like, dragons versus rocket launchers why yeah. haven't we thought of this before exactly yeah <laughs> also
1: like, it, that is mcconaughey versus Bale, right
2: it's totally america versus like yes UK. It's, it's amazing like the
1: world cup with dragons
2: <laughs> it really is and mcconaughey <laughs> is so mcconaughey in this movie so
1: mcconaughey he's
2: all like mcconaughey out
1: what year is that movie from 97
2: i bet it's or right later than there. that 98 yeah somewhere around there or i it could remember be being very or... excited about yeah. it yeah i was as well so genderbender is the episode basically is the one where uh, the, there's this person who can change their sex mm-hmm. and they have sex with someone and they die, and then we find out that they were part of this cult called the Kindred. Yes, basically the Amish kind of, but they <laughs> yeah. can change their gender. What I thought was a couple things. One, as soon as Mulder finds out about the Kindred, he's like already so anti them from the beginning. <laughs> he's like, he's very like, angry. Yes. like he's like these fucking people. Like he's like very like close-minded about well first of all i think he's anti-religion overall yeah
1: i was gonna say he's pretty like against religion in any way it seems like (laughs)
2: and then this one
1: there's one part where he and scully is so like pro-human scully is it's like so this like of course they're a dichotomy the two of them (laughs) but specifically i forgot how much so that she's like of course she's sensitive she's a woman
2: but you know what's different is that she's sort of the, in, in a weird way, she's like the rational one on she, this yeah, show. Yeah, she's which also, is, yeah,
1: the one grounded in reality a little bit more. Yeah,
2: yeah, because Mulder's out there being crazy. I also, what did you think of this episode overall?
1: Um, I enjoyed it. Of course, there's some, you know, negative implications with the idea of, there's this, there's like one scene that I was like, oh boy. But also is this it is the one from, where she
2: says it's men and women so, uh, being killed? So it's someone who, it's. They never even mentioned that it could be someone who's bisexual. <laughs>
1: right. They don't even like venture into that. It's mostly the only thing that I was like, oh boy, is when they're interviewing the guy that survives.
2: Crycheck. He's going to become Crycheck yes. later. Yes.
1: And then uh, he's, uh, he, he's like, man to man, tell me what, you know, like that yeah. whole thing where it's like, Ugh. I mean, I guess they handled it in a fairly sensitive way, but I could see it be- being a. F- kind of upsetting
2: what is this so here's the thing when you watch it does it feel a little he, that guy also says he calls a woman a week three that she was a week oh three. right which first of all she's a fairly attractive Calm woman down.
1: <laughs> yeah. a week
2: three would be like a 90 year old woman <laughs> right. or like a child
1: yeah a child for sure <laughs> all children i ever see are definitely like twos I, and threes yeah
2: come on man if you rate get them higher get your shit together child <laughs> No makeup? Do you <laughs> yeah. not go to the what gym? What is that, Oshkosh? Come <laughs> oh, on, gross! <laughs> uh, this snot hanging out of your face. So, just like some weird transphobic implication, yes. because he says that thing of, because you remember you've you've heard the stories where like some guy hooks up with a woman and she turns out to be a guy and then he like beats her up or right. There's something. all that like
1: panic of and and also the other side of that that story or that idea is also that. Like somehow it's implied that the trans person, the transgender person is somehow trying to trap someone, Yeah, you know, and like this story is kind of that a little bit. It is. (laughs) I
2: wonder if it does come a little bit from that. I mean, that you don't hear that stuff. Uh, hopefully, I don't think, as much anymore. But maybe in the 90s, that's when well, this w- stuff was people were kind of scared of it?
1: Yeah, I was wondering, and I didn't get to look it up, the timeline of this happening and then, like, the Eddie Murphy stuff. Oh. And the Hugh Grant. It definitely couldn't have been coinciding with Hugh Grant, I don't think. Hugh Grant I think was that later. Been later. But I wondered if this sort of, you know, because the Eddie Murphy thing.
2: This also, like, some... Because, like, early 90s, there's a lot of, like, AIDS fear, you know? So, like, that's part of it, too, a little bit, I think. like
1: Promiscuity was, like, a terrifying idea.
2: It's weirdly a moralistic episode. Yes. Because I think Scully at one point says, hard to imagine in this day and age someone having sex with a perfect stranger. Yeah. Which is such a fuddy-duddy thing for her to say.
1: (laughs) I think she has her glasses on. She pushes (laughs) them up in the middle of saying... Yeah.
2: Um... The so I'll just go from the beginning. The club, the nightclub. I was like, this is the worst club of all time. But
1: I also loved that opening because this is like really it's pretty early in the first season, mm-hmm. and I loved them. The visually, you're like, what is this? Because you're in the world of the X Files, which it could be anything. Yeah, it could so be So for anything. a brief moment, you're like, oh my god, what what kind of a like ship is this or whatever? And then you're like, yeah. oh, it's just a lame rave. It's just a really <laughs> it's just bad like what we do
2: yeah <laughs> is that what you do yeah, is that well, yeah true? this
1: is what i do on thursdays I go, <laughs> on thursdays yeah i go hang out with a bunch of week threes go to the <laughs> and, a, and the i play a club. big zodiac what's my sign standing video game thing oh yeah they're doing that the thing was huge
2: yeah that thing was huge yeah, i
1: love the intro the like Setup of that, the like cold open of somebody's eyeball that you're like, is this like an
2: alien eye- autopsy? Why did they show that eyeball so much? I never got that because it nothing, never
1: came back in.
2: The eyeball doesn't really do anything. Yeah. There's also um, and then Mulder talks about this is a thing that we've been talking about on the show where like it seems like there's certain terms that people didn't know, that now everyone kind of knows. Like, there's an episode where they have to explain what in vitro fertilization is, and oh now gosh. everyone knows. Yeah. But in this episode, they have to explain what pheromones are to people. Do you That's remember hilarious. that? Where he goes, pheromones, and he they're like... She's like, the chemicals animals secrete? Like, yeah, you're a doctor. <laughs> why, are you, <laughs> right. why are you asking you me? You know this. Do you remember... Th- is this around the time where in the back of comic books you could buy, like, pheromones and stuff? Do you remember Oh, that? I
1: remember the back of... Comic book sales, I didn't realize that pheromones are one of the available I, things.
2: I think it was... For one sea of,
1: monkeys or pheromones for just whatever. For
2: just for human beings. <laughs> yeah. There were sea monkeys and then there was that atlet, the book that would make you buff. Yes. So it was just stuff that would kind of get you laid because they're like, if you're reading a comic book. Right. Not getting laid. Yeah. But then pheromones, I think it was like you spray it and then she'll be like... She'll
1: just not leave you alone. Week threes for the rest of your life. Yeah, (laughs) exactly.
2: (laughs) It's like the uh, proto-axe spray (laughs) thing. Um, And then, so it's funny because she says who would have sex with a perfect stranger because she sort of ends up, that guy does that thing to her thumb. Yeah. And then she's, that look that she has when she first like... Her head goes to the left and she her eyes kinda go away. Yeah. That was pretty funny, I thought.
1: Yeah. She's all I like, wish they would have played like I Just Called to Say I Love You. Or <laughs> just for a second. It's <laughs> just like little hearts. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <A> foxy. Like Wayne's <laughs> yeah. <she wins> World. <laughs> exactly. Um Yeah, and she's all like she's horny in a pretty high percentage of this episode. Yeah.
1: I do love though the depiction of her horniness. And this could just be the time frame, but it could also be that Scully, for the most part, from what I remember, is treated pretty respectfully yes. as like an F as an agent. Yes. As a woman who knows what she's doing. Um, who's maybe not as familiar with this all Paranormal. of the stuff that yeah. uh Mulder is, but that her her like sexuality and her interest is in a depicted in a really real way. Like she didn't all of a sudden start flipping her hair and like taking her clothes off oh, or right. something. You know, like she it's a it's just a real moment of yeah. slight escalation and like yeah. joy instead of it just being like sex. You yeah, know?
2: exactly. Exactly. Because she also later I was like, I have a feeling like she's embarrassed about it later. <laughs> yeah. I felt so bad for her. Because um,
1: she's like at her job. <laughs> yeah, you, know? you can't
2: get attracted because that guy is a week three.
1: Yeah, he's absolutely. I mean, I would say like a week two. <laughs> yeah.
2: Maybe a one. Maybe maybe a strong one. A strong one. <laughs> a strong one. <laughs> he's like yeah. a really of all the ones. He's like up. He's like almost hitting two. Oh yeah, but not quite.
1: He's like a one point seven five. What I did like. Oh, what and I, he's like a. Like he's a, in everything. He's in constantly in everything.
2: What I did like that part. So this episode for me, here's my issues with it. I feel like um, parts of it are good. It's a kind of a, such a weird idea. There's obviously some of the stuff that's maybe problematic. Like it's kind of a weird idea, which I like that this person can change genders. I like the idea of the king, kindred. I liked it to see the pictures, the old pictures, and then it's the same people. Have they been around forever? That stuff. Um so I like a lot of it what I don't love is that it feels like Mulder and Scully like kind of don't do very much they don't really like kind of solve it I did like though cuz there's the club which mm-hmm. is like hyper modern and then there's the part where they sort of leave civilization and go into this fucking you know air thing in the woods i sure. thought that was really cool like you sort of embarking into the unknown and the uh, like uh, that like contrasted with the club i thought that was really cool
1: and i loved seeing in that sort of vein like i loved seeing them having dinner with them yeah i just happened to pause <laughs> it and walk out of the room and come back and this is the thing that i feel like the x-files did all the time is there like i guess blocking or like the way they shoot the episodes is yeah. so funny like, it's a serious show and it has tension and drama in it. But when I came back, they were at dinner and Scully is like looking towards the head of the table. Uh huh. And Mulder just has his head like. Looking at this, it's not translating to a podcast very well, but it's just just like a, in this hilarious sort of like, it's just like looking in. like, what's going on? You know, like, hang on now, kindred.
2: Yeah, I didn't like Mulder's attitude. I wrote down demonization of the other. There's that thing where, like, if people have different beliefs, that they're kind of weird. And yeah. Mulder, I think, sort of goes in with that attitude, even before he knows that they're sex changing ultimately fucking aliens or something even before that he kind of hates them i thought that i don't know how i feel about that
1: which is like do you think they're trying to be ironic that the guy who's trying to find the things that nobody believes in is weird about this hates everything that is a different belief system than he has
2: i think as the show goes certainly that becomes like a major theme but in Mm -hmm. this episode it just felt like sort of accidental like i don't think they were trying it didn't feel to me like they were trying to Make a point or anything, right. you know
1: I would say that the whole episode is not super cohesive, like you were saying, that's just kind of like three separate sections of like nothing really sort of comes together, yeah and it's the, it's all great ideas, yeah, that just don't sort of gel there's into there's one some story. great
2: creepy stuff, like, so they get kicked out, right, yes, and then they're like, stay in the path, which I thought was cool, like that's always <laughs> yeah. like horror movie stuff, like stay on the path, obviously they don't they come back and then they see that weird like. Ritual mass thing happening? Right, when the
1: guy's choking to death and they're like Christian scientists or whatever. They're like, we don't need your Heimlich
2: maneuver. Yeah, (laughs) your Western ways. I
1: don't want you to tell him to just walk into the table to save himself. Like, we don't do that. We just let our own die.
2: Like, that is not even medicine. (laughs) Yeah, They should have that. It's physics. I wonder if... Are Amish okay with the Heimlich maneuver? They have to be, right? I mean... Has anybody Maybe told that
1: because it's got a, it's like a modern thing. They like don't even use zippers.
2: <laughs> they I can't don't? Am, No, they don't use zippers. Huh, that would suck. if Someone's choking and they're like, "Ah, sorry. I don't
1: know what to do. Uh, I guess it's your time." Yeah, Jebediah your, or whatever.
2: If we don't use zippers and we don't. If you're <laughs> choking, you go to have, good news, you yeah, go to good heaven.
1: Good news, everything's fine.
2: We're almost 100% sure we're right. <laughs> right. We're almost 100%. Almost, sure.
1: We're really close.
2: Um, but when they come back and that ritual is happening I thought that was really cool the whole episode is shot really well when they're like looking through the slats
1: yeah and they have those lanterns
2: they have those weird lanterns (laughs) and they're putting like the weird like goop the milky creamy goop on the guys I thought that was really creepily shot like it it was an episode that wasn't great but you don't realize it until it's over right. i guess that it's not great because you're comes like together. what
1: what just happened yeah yeah with that wide shot and you're like oh damn it because it feels like if it had maybe a half an hour more it could resolve itself.
2: Yeah, that's the thing. We'll get to the the ending is a real weird part. There's one part when they come back that where that guy, the the strong one, shows up to, <laughs> right. to Scully, and he's like, "I need to show you something." And for a second, Scully's like, "Oh yeah," and then <laughs> he's like, "It's something about Marty." And she's like, "Oh right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, Marty. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's about Marty. <laughs> yeah, 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 I get it. I like that the hand thing that." They do to like make you attracted to them for a show that can sometimes be prone to over-explanation. Mm-hmm. I like that they don't really explain that. It's yeah. just like it's just a thing, these people, and it's do. really
1: simple. It's not like a Vulcan,
2: no. mind meld
1: or anything. It's like actually a pressure point, yeah, you know, that has. I don't, I don't know if they, I like did the that idea purpose, of someone
2: but... learning like pickup tricks from <laughs> this episode and just going to clubs, like, ah, yeah. now, ah, no, are you into it? Um. I also oh there's a part where Mulder says I saw you about to do the wild thing with some stranger. Like that's not that's a little insensitive <laughs> yeah. because she's sort of in danger there, right? Yeah, I mean
1: they already have seen people dead from like having sex with these people. Yeah. And then he's just like that is it is a little silly. I remember yeah. that feeling
2: very weird and disjointed. Um so then they basically how it ends is they come back And there's a crop circle. Yeah. And then just the credits roll. It's kind
1: of a bad crop circle, too.
2: It's not good. It's It's a really
1: bad crop circle. (laughs) There's no design in it. It's just like they dropped a big barrel. And (laughs) they're they're like, like, okay, just
2: walk around in it. It really feels like, all right, we got to finish this episode. I feel like going into the season, they're like, we're going to have one. We got one, like, get out of jail free card where it (laughs) ends on a, where we hard cut to a crop circle and that's it and they were like are we gonna use it on the Amish (laughs) yeah we have to we gotta use it it's like a cheat code it really was like a cheat code it's like they just sort of like fucking threw it in and I remember as a kid I remember this episode when I first saw it kind of liking it because it came so fucking out of nowhere that I was like oh that's cool they were aliens holy shit but now when you're a little more, you know, your brain works better, <laughs> yeah. you're like, this is just a cop out.
1: Yeah, it's a total cop out, which is unfortunate. Like you said, all the other stuff that they did, like the barn sequence and even the mo- like we were talking about the morphing thing the other day. Even that. Oh, yeah.
2: You were saying how the morphing. Yeah,
1: when she the, I think it's the f- it's the last morphing when they're like yeah. catching him in his like tidy whities or whatever. And then he morphs into the woman, or morphs from the woman to the man, and they're both named Marty, which I love. Yeah. Um, as a Back to the Future fan, I love that they're named. I Marty. I wonder
2: if all the kindred have to have names that are like that. Right. Marty, like, Sandy, yeah. Kim, Kim, yeah, <laughs> Tracy,
1: <laughs> Jamie.
2: There's dudes named St- uh, Stacy as there well. Are.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I met a dude named Skylar the other day, so that yeah. could be possible. Oh yeah, I know a dude named Skylar.
2: Yeah. It's probably the uh, same dude. Yeah.
1: Um, but I loved the the stance of her when she morphed because she looked to me like one of the innocent bystanders in the, the arcade game Lethal Enforcer.
2: <laughs> she does. She's <like, laughs> kind of looking she, like, around. She looks
1: around with her arms out. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I love that game.
1: I loved that game so much. Lethal Enforcers. I
2: got it from I visited the U.S. and I bought it. And I took it back. But it yeah. turned out like the TV systems are different. Oh, no. So it did, the gun didn't work.
1: Oh, no. The game is
2: with a controller. Yeah. Completely useless. Um, oh, yeah, this is the line that I was looking for that Mulder said that I was like, come on. He says, no, all the simple life, living from abundance crap. These people know something, Scully. I was like, "That was that's sort of uh, insensitive. It's yeah. a little close-minded. I was So I was reading a review and I was saying, you know, how I liked... Um, what I, I didn't love the episode, but something about it sort of st- stuck with me. And I was reading the AV Club reviews and Zach Handlin... Uh, said that X-Files is about sane people brushing briefly against the vast madness of the world and escaping in the end with only suspicions and the certainty that there is more going on that anyone could ever know. And I felt like this episode sort of did that, where you're like, it's not satisfying as a story because you don't find out what going, what's going on, but it does sort of make the world feel weirder that there's stuff going on that oh, you don't sure. really understand.
1: Like there's weird, like cavernous... Gooey white caves inside of a barn, and then he's just hiding in there. Yeah, and then there's like a wet guy changing (laughs) into a woman guy. Yeah. He looks like an art teacher. Like, <laughs> what is this? I don't understand. He
2: what? Does look like an art teacher.
1: <laughs> it's kind of like the end. Spoiler alert for T- Terminator 2, but like when the T-1000 turns back into everything, before <laughs> it goes look- away. Yeah. Kind of like that He cause
2: He looks, he's got that long black hair, yeah. but it's still a dude.
1: It's still the dude's face. Yeah, yeah. he's an art teacher. <laughs> he looks like just like a ceramics
2: instructor. Uh, oh, one thing I found out is that this movie... Uh, this show came out a couple of years after philadelphia so there's still that like oh, yeah. aids fear as part yeah. of it another moralistic thing was like you know they find the porno mags and it's oh, supposed yeah. to be like this weird bad thing right um so also, this-
1: i love the way they um each person died with the pink foam yeah because it was almost like they were have they had the bends or something yeah. Which is an interesting way to see somebody die on land. You know, I mean, I <laughs> guess I guess you would die on land Eventually that way too, on but, land. but not, you know, it's but not, coming not within from, the context of yeah. an ocean where you're just like in the, in a bed and you're getting the bends. It's like very creepy and
2: weird and evocative. I haven't seen the bends happen in a piece of pop culture in a while. Yeah. We should it's I time. actually
1: saw a are you familiar with the 30 for 30 films, the yes. ESPN documentary? They did a spin-off that's uh 9 for 9. That's all about women's sports and directed by women. And there's an episode. They just of,
2: did nine of them. They just did
1: nine of them. Nine of them. Yeah. Cause it was the anniversary 20th anniversary. I'm not sure how uh-huh. many years, uh, bad female, not knowing that stuff, but they did one about a deep sea diver who unfortunately passed away from it. That's um, a sport. Yeah. It's like a, an extreme sport where they go like 300 meters down with no, nothing.
2: As just as people,
1: just as people with nothing. They have like, divers around them to, to watch them and they they're on a pole that when they get down there to a certain time period like three minutes they go underwater for like three or four minutes and they're just holding three hundred meters and they're just holding their breath and then they pull this bag that will lift them up at the correct speed so that they don't get the bends
2: but then how, what happened to this lady
1: she the bag didn't go
2: so she just and
1: they didn't have enough divers so they have divers positioned at different levels Oh, so the ones that they had were too high up to be able to go down to get her because what they had, they would have gotten the bends also if they tried to save her.
2: So she drowned?
1: She got the bends. They got her up, but they could not resuscitate her because she was on land. They also didn't have a doctor because her husband was they like a deep sea have- diver and he they, they think he tried to kill or didn't try to kill her, but like wanted to be a hero. And he got a doctor who was actually a dentist. Because when they brought her up, he was like, "Oh, I'm just a dentist." I mean, on the boat. What? Yeah. Really? Yes. It is a fascinating, sad story. Wow. And it's not a. I mean, it's it's actual
2: life, so it's not a spoiler to say before. Like, listen, unless they get a crazy cavity down there, (laughs) there's nothing I could do. Because they
1: want a root canal while they're down there? Yeah. (laughs) No, I don't know. It's crazy, fascinating, and like I don't know. I highly recommend it. Why is it called
2: the bends?
1: I don't know. It's like a really old terminology for it. Yeah, like the it, vapors. I think it like it turns up your insides.
2: Oh, your your hands You're get turning all
1: inside out, basically. Gross. Because the pressure is changing and that pink foam is like the inside of your lungs.
2: That's what that is?
1: So that's what I was thinking about when I was watching this episode. Yeah. So that, which is ironic because it's called gender bender.
2: Oh! maybe that, sounds, that was the pitch they're like I'm gonna say three things they're gonna <laughs> sound like nothing that goes with each other but hear me out Amish <laughs> sex changing yes. and the Benz and the
1: Benz sold gender ben Benzer
2: um, and then there's this another guy I really liked what he wrote and I was again trying to figure out why something about this episode I really liked and uh, there's this uh, website called the movie blog and this guy Darren Mooney writes about it uh, the X-Files and he put this really well. It's kind of a long quote. I think I'm going to read the whole thing. Here we go. As much as The X-Files is a show about how the past defines the present... Uh, it also s- serves as something of an exploration of a version of America that is slowly fading from view and receding into America, a strange and surreal world where the darkness is being fought further and further back by encroaching globalization. Street lamps, GPS, and mobile phones do a lot to push back the shadows. This almost nostalgic peon for lost horrors would come to the fore in later seasons episodes like Home, Detour, Bad Blood, Postmodern, Prometheus, in uh, Home, that's like a major plot point. Or major theme, and this is the first real sense we've got of an old order fading away, with a bunch of pseudo-Amish living in an isolated, idealized community who literally disappear off off the face of the earth at the end of the episode. The kindred seem like relics from from some old folklore dating back to the turn of the century—a group of people locking themselves off from the world, the subject of all sort of superstition and gossip and rumor. At the end, the kindred is just gone. It is, on any narrative level, a massive cop-out. It's a cheat, a nice way to wrap up the episode without any real explanation or conclusion. However, it also feels strangely appropriate. A lot of this is down to Rob Bohm's direction, but it's also... Because it feels like we're watching phantoms vanish into history, or perhaps myths and legends transfiguring before our eyes. Those strange outsiders on the edge of town are an outdated myth for the modern world. Instead, they become aliens, something more modern, something more mundane and relatable to the modern world. So I think he's a little bit jumping through hoops to sort of make the, you know, the, uh, a theme of the x You know, the first step is we talk a lot about how because of cell phones and the Internet, like these weird, crazy nooks and crannies of America are disappearing. And he says that you literally, this episode, see those nooks and crannies turning into something more modern. I don't think it's on purpose, but it's an interesting way to look at it.
1: Absolutely. And also, it's kind of fascinating, too, that they, the kindred, some of them, like the young, it seems like they're younger, but they've been around forever, but... They have different ages, so there has to be some sort of hierarchy going on there, but that they are intrigued and interested and want to like venture out into the modern world. So there's that conflict too, like within them, like this old, outdated, yes, uh, that's right, old, you know, archaic sort of thing is like, but I do want to be a part of this, but they can't because of so it's almost like a metaphor for America itself. (laughs) I'm sorry, (laughs) no, 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 go ahead, but because like we're constantly at conflict with like being, no, but it used to be so great and yes. let's stay the way that it used to be. But also we want to be
2: in the modern in world in the modern yeah. world, and
1: talking to other countries and totally. living with everybody and being on the forefront of everything. But at the same time, let's not have women vote. You know, it's like yeah. just constantly this inner tur- turmoil.
2: Yeah, this that's the tension. And it's interesting because I grew up in Pakistan and, you know, obviously culturally very different. But I remember the moment we got MTV, which was probably right around this time, like early nineties, we got MTV and you could see the culture completely changed. Oh. dudes start wearing shorts, you know, all that kind of stuff totally changes. And you could see like, this is what's happening. Like, unfortunately because of globalization, cultures on purpose uh, by their own choosing, I mean, sort of get stamped out, you know, to kids growing up somewhere else. The Western culture with this, you know, opulence and fun and women <laughs> in bikinis yeah. is so much more exciting generally. Right. <laughs> That, you know, these sort of kids choose to become more and more westernized as the world grows. And unfortunately, it seems like we're going to get to this point where, you know, all the differences in culture are going to get sort of, you know, stamped out. And it's all going to be one sort of thing. And that's what one of the things that resonated with me about this episode is that it is about that. It's this old culture that in a way it's beautiful. They're doing their own weird fucking thing. Um... But it's separate from everything. And then one of them chooses to go outside, which is that person's choice, and then chooses to have sex. I don't think they want to kill. I think if they right. just have sex with someone from the outside, they end up killing It's them. just
1: too good. The sex is too good. Se- is that what it's supposed to be? Because I, I, I feel like I was a little unclear. Of, yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I think it's like the bends, but you're like ascending to the heavens. The right. sex is so good. The
1: orgasm creates the bends. The orgasm like, creates I the can't bends. can't live anymore.
2: Yeah. Uh, But you die, you know, kind of happy, kind of happy. Yeah. But yeah, I think uh, thematically, that's what really sort of I liked about this episode, because home is probably is one of my favorite episodes. And that's that's that show is uh, that episode is very specifically about um, the outside world encroaching into this small town and stamping out the differences, you know, but then like a small town in a big city and that stuff. And it's a thing we see in the X-Files over and over. And I think this episode did a pretty good job of having that conversation for the first time in the X-Files. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I will say, so, and then I also read a little, you know, quotes from the uh, creators and writers and stuff. The co-executive producer Glenn Morgan said, you know, he had, it, it was difficult to find a story that shows sex is scary. Um, which big,
1: I read that quote, too, which yeah. is kind of fascinating to me that have, ha, it seems to me that in 1992, sex would be scary. Would be
2: scary. And, you know, that's the sort of the point of view that Scully embodies, too. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I mean, are we more scared of sex now? I because think sex is pretty scary now. But I, I feel
2: like it's less scary than it was. I remember when I was a kid. I just, forgive me for sharing too much, I just started to <laughs> masturbate, and then I found this Reader's Digest, and on the cover it said, herpes, the scourge of a sexual revolution, and I was like, am, am I going to get herpes from masturbating? You, right? I really thought I would get herpes from masturbating. Oh, yeah, masturbating. it's very
1: confusing. <laughs>
2: it's very <laughs> confusing, but I remember the people thinking that herpes being like, all right, now it's over, oh, sex yeah. is done, yep. we're done with sex, and th- that's obviously before AIDS, and almost everybody has herpes now it seems oh, yeah. like
1: it's just everybody's got it everybody's it's just some, got some it. sort of version we of made it
2: okay yeah and now obviously AIDS is very very serious you know practice safe sex and all but it's a lot more manageable now than it used to be it's not like the thing where you get it and you know in a couple of years you die or her horrible death like medicine has come a long way and people yeah. and live... people
1: are aware of it yeah you know, it's not just this silent thing that was tried to that the government tried to ignore for <laughs> 15 years. Yeah,
2: because, yeah. uh, well, there's like uh, uh, dating sites for people who are HIV oh, yeah. positive. Mm-hmm. And uh, Reagan, when he could have done something about AIDS, decided to focus on a disease called Legionnaires' disease. Sure. Yes. That he thought you could look at it two ways. You could look at it as, what an idiot. He picked that disease to fight. Or you could look at it as, well, he did defeat that disease because sure. we don't <laughs> fucking hear about that yeah. anymore.
1: Nobody hears about the Legionnaires. Disease <laughs> <laughs> Legionnaires. Anyone. I don't even remember what that is is
2: i think it was something that was like spreading through restaurants and stuff uh, i think that's what it was it's okay. so like stupid but because of like the legionnaires i don't know why like it's called
1: dining that. halls is that a thing or is my brain the mess just halls
2: working they were work. all eating together yeah they
1: were all eating together and it was it seems, I don't seems know. Real, I don't know.
2: I feel like we figured out what the Benz is. We figured <laughs> yeah. this out. We're doing well. We're doing great. Uh, but he said that the teaser originally included a moment where a character's crotch starts to rot away, which I can't even Whoa. imagine what that looks like. And then they obviously... Uh, I
1: can, actually. Yeah? In 1992, like, special effects. CG? I total It would be like burning paper. Superimposed right. onto that person's crotch.
2: But they're wearing clothes. But
1: they're wearing clothes through jeans, of course.
2: That's exactly what it is. Yeah, I bet that's be. what it is. And
1: there's a woman wearing a white dress, I think, the woman in the middle, where she's like, No, I'm not interested. Which that one kind of bothered me a little bit that they had like the male on female thing. Uh-huh. Just because But this is like pre date rape, I think, before like
2: What date rape is new?
1: Well no, I I mean this episode. I don't think that the term date rape was even is that Quite right? Yet in 1992, well, because wow. the Sublime song hadn't come out yet, for sure. What hadn't come out? The Sublime song. <laughs> <laughs> what song is that? Date rape. Is that? It's, f- it's actually a song that's anti-date rape, but I think it got uh, sort of grabbed onto by bros just because you can sing that
2: chorus. You know. What is the chorus? Date rape. The chorus is them <laughs> saying date so. rape. He
1: says, like, date rape studly, I think, or something. But it's it's making fun of the du- dude doing it, but it's a song about date rape.
2: Wow. I didn't know about this. Yeah. But this, because she doesn't want to do it, and then he rubs her finger, yeah. and she's into it. So it's
1: a little bit, just because the implication, you know, it's different. It's different when it's a guy... It is different when it's a guy. It's just different.
2: Yeah, I think just. I mean, this is twenty years ago. So just the views on sex, the, the subtle and big ways in 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 which they've changed. Mm-hmm. Like the fact that we, we talked about where Scotty doesn't even consider the possibility of someone who might be bisexual. Like right. that would not happen on a show right. today. Right.
1: Absolutely. That would yeah. be the first thing they they would think. Like, oh, it could, it's probably a bisexual person.
2: Yeah, <laughs> that's what they would think. Playing not, the
1: field. Yeah. You know, like, exactly.
2: Just. Yeah. Having a great time. Yeah, you wouldn't think you wouldn't go right to Mulder going, okay. Now hear me out. It's a person person
1: that's going to change their entire body back and forth,
2: which is more (laughs) believable than someone being attracted to men and women. (laughs) Right, (laughs) that's more believable. Yeah, someone can turn their penis into a vagina, just so every time they have sex, their sex their sex changes, or do they choose to change it? I
1: think they choose to change it in like a because. Because of the time and because of the non-bisexual thing, and probably not a lot of uh, gay people on TV or the idea of a gay person, yeah. they the assumption is that if a man, because there's, they say in a scene like when they're talking to the guy that becomes crycheck he's like, they s- there's a witness that sees a man leaving, so they're like, but it can't be, you know, yeah. they're like so shocked that a man is leaving the crime scene. Yes, it's so confusing right. to them and so yeah. confounding that it would be a man. Because yeah. Of course, this guy only has sex with women, and it yeah. would not be a possibility no, there's no that way. he could possibly be attracted yeah, to a man. This, like,
2: clearly homophobic man, there's right. no way that he's a closeted gay person. Right. There's he, no way. Yeah. He says, this, he does, it's kind of a funny line at the end where he says... The club scene used to be so simple. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Like,
1: oh, my gosh.
2: <laughs> um, so this one, Rob Bowman says, uh, who's, this was his first episode, and then he became one of the big X-Files guys. And X-Files Confidentially he says, it was a very bizarre story, especially for me because it's my first episode. He said that um, Chris Carter wasn't that specific about the show. He just said dark and creepy. And I said, <laughs> I'm your man. Um, he said that there were sequences he wrote that seemed to me at the time like they were done stream of consciousness. I'd say, because this is so complicated, I have to break this down into a series of shots that can only be cut together the way I shoot it. You can't change it. And uh, Chris Carter basically was like, yeah, just do whatever you want to do. So he um, shot it exactly how he wanted it to. And then this is kind of funny. So he, he ended up liking the episode. I think he brought a lot of style to the episode. I thought the episode looked really cool. And it was his direction that sort of made it. Uh, uh, you know, give gave it like a momentum. When really, Scully and Mulder are kind of bad detectives in this. Totally. Um, uh, this is this is from the truth is art that the official guide to the X Files. I thought this was really funny. All of the fictional kindred are, are similar to the actually existing Amish in several respects. Chris Carter was not concerned about the similarities, as the Amish do not watch television. <laughs>
1: that's
2: true. <laughs> that's what he actually yeah. said. Yeah, He's like, they're going to get upset about it? Yeah. That's, like, that's like an open mic joke. Right. But he said it for real.
1: Yeah, very um, true. And also they're like conscientious objectors, so I don't think they can even fight anything.
2: Oh, is that what it is? I think so. Right. I, I think
1: they're like exempt from everything. Yeah. So they just exist as like, a, they're totally open for us to be like yeah it looks like the Amish people
2: yeah we can Uh, make fun of them They're not gonna care
1: about anything yeah
2: (laughs) they (laughs) They just
1: care about Barnes
2: yeah they're not gonna hear this podcast yeah (gasps) maybe we can make is there a way you could introduce uh, podcasting into the Amish world that's a huge untapped market it is a huge
1: untapped market
2: I mean you could uh, they don't use money or anything right well they
1: I have heard that they have a lot of money how they, well, there's...
2: Great butter?
1: They Yeah, they sell their stuff. Furniture.
2: They do sell furniture. They sell a
1: lot of stuff. And people in the Midwest are really into it. They,
2: well, in Iowa, there's a place... They're called... Fuck, I forget what they're called. But it's sort of... They're old, but they're not Amish. But they make refrigerators. Interesting. And they make refrigerators, but they're like this old, quaint community. But mm-hmm. that's what they make. They're not uh, like Quakers? Not Quakers. Shit. I can't believe what they're... I can't believe I can't remember what they're called. But I've been there... And it was the most boring weekend of <laughs> yeah, my life. Sure. Um, so uh, Chris Carter, very happy with this installment. I've noticed Chris Carter generally, no matter how the episode is, like, it was
1: great. We did happy a great job. It. Yeah. Well, uh, if his order is dark and scary, yes. I think he's going to be satisfied with most episodes. Most
2: episodes. <laughs> I think the idea is pretty good, and there are some interesting visual moments. Rob Bowman really rose to the occasion and showed sure, us what he is capable of. Uh, A terrific episode given real style and passion by Rob. Um, uh, And then people are talking about the ending. He says, I think it's vague. Is it or isn't it? That ambiguity is the hallmark of some of our best episodes. However, co-executive producer, that's from X-Files Confidential, co-executive producer James Wong disagreed with Chris Carter about this subject. He said, um, there were problems with the ending of the show in that we pretty much wrapped it up relatively quickly and just threw in something. Those things always seem like a little trick. It's like we try to play a trick on the audience to make them say, ooh, what the heck was that? But when it's not inter- integral to the story, it lessens the impact. You don't get a sense of a cathartic moment because we kind of blew it. And Glenn Morgan, who's his writing partner, also wrote a bunch of great episodes talking about the ending. He said, maybe you we went too far. At what point do we become unbelievable? So these guys are, like, really upset about they're this really ending. They're really sad about it. <laughs> they're really <laughs> bummed out. And yeah. these guys, it's, there's two writing teams that are really good, James Wong and Glenn Morgan and then Howard Gordon and Alex Ganser. Mm-hmm. And they both are, like, really hard on themselves in all these quotes. Like, they always, like, they're, even their own episodes, they're like, we didn't really do a great job, even if it's a great episode. Chris Carter, on the other hand, is always very positive. <laughs> Um, and then Chris Carter, uh, Glenn Morgan says, "I think people have said that we overstepped the bounds on that one, but not the bounds of like you know, like hardcore content. Just the bounds of sure, like you of the- guys fucking cheated with this story <laughs> yeah, the ending." Uh, this episode so did pretty well 7.2 rating uh, viewed by roughly 6.8 million households and 11.1 million viewers so this is uh, I said you know after the episodes we talked about last week these sort of start going up and the season ends on a big high and this is part of that sort of rising a little bit
1: where everybody was starting to catch on watching it yeah it but was like on TV Guide and stuff
2: it, it, it wasn't huge until season 3 4 or 5 yeah. but here it's getting going up it was never terrible, but it's going up enough that Fox is like, oh, maybe this will be something. So it's mm-hmm. not, it isn't a huge hit for another couple of years, mm-hmm. but you can see some people are catching on. Um, and then what I do is, I didn't do this in the episode you listened to. Do you want to say, anything, do you have anything to say about the episode before we move on? I think that was it. There's a... Um, yeah, I think we've covered every I think aspect. I we covered it. I mean, I, I have some it.
1: ideas of how you could fix the ending, but we don't have to push those right <laughs>
2: when, now. What is it? Do well, it. Well,
1: I think that it would have been more interesting visually to see them sort of uh, go back to that barn or the uh-huh. house or something and have it be... Uh, you know, have them have left, yeah, and see the things like maybe the photographs change, maybe the stuff changes in there. Oh, the cave is different, the body's uh, different, it's just a it's butcher not shop there. in there. They're just like, Yeah, they're looking through everything's gone, then they see the crop circle. Oh, yeah, might have should... been a little more satisfying and cathartic, like rather they, than like, just going to the crop just circle, going, you know, <laughs> yeah. like all right, all right, well, the crop this circle, but
2: like, all right, <laughs> we can never use that ending again, <laughs> yeah. Um. Oh, also, this person had a good idea. So I've been going back to the message boards and reading mm-hmm. message messages from that week that this episode aired. So these are from 1994. Oh, this is amazing. This is what people are saying about it. Uh, a lot of people talk about the crop circles. Yes. Uh, some people disagree, don't like it. Most people don't like it, but then there are people defending the show. Uh, this guy says, kind of cheesy about the crop circles. If you ask me, it would have been better if they'd found the Amish types missing except for Martin buried in the field. We take care of our own. Remember when they said that? That actually would have been cool. if they found
1: Martin in that cave thing. Yeah. Next to the guy or whatever. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, I'm always one for extraterrestrial science, but it didn't quite fit this time. Um, I mean, if a guy who can squeeze through air ducts is a human mutation, why did these sex changers have to be aliens? And then people are defending it. Like, maybe they were aliens. I don't think the crop circles positively imply that they were from outer space. And then people are like... What's the crop circle supposed to imply? The kindred are big John Deere fans, <laughs> and they're all, they're all fighting. And then I was like, you know, for the most part, people get into fights and stuff. But this is the beginning of the internet, so people mm-hmm. are still writing pretty well. None of the lead speak bullshit is in here yet. Yeah. There's no like weird like. Uh, there's no emoticons, and you realize how much better message boards are when you don't have like LOL and AFK and yeah. all that bullshit. You know, too
1: long didn't read. So TLDR <laughs> is
2: like when we look back at the decline of humanity, we're gonna that's be like, "That's the first one." That's the first one. Whoever coined TLDR, that's when we started going yeah. down.
1: because that's just everybody as like
2: humanity going, Pfft, too long. Oh, <laughs> someone just just don't read it. You don't have to say. Yeah. And usually TLDR is not even that L. Yeah. It's not. No, it's not it's even like that L. Just R. It's just Just R. Just R it. Just R it. People have read books, you know? (laughs) There are people who have R'd entire bees. Yeah. Um, But then I found this review that I thought was pretty. I don't want to make fun of someone, but I thought it was pretty poorly written. So I'm going to read it. Hi, all. Well, I loved this episode. My favorite scene was when Mulder and Scully are discussing the case in his office. He just kept saying the funniest things and his tone of voice. I can't even remember what he said. I'll have to go back and check. (laughs) Next paragraph. Another one of my favorite scenes was when Scully was in that guy's, can't remember his name, and he takes her hand. She gets that look on her face and can't resist him. I loved that, especially when Mulder grabbed her and it was like she was unconscious. She didn't react to him or anything. Mulder asks her what the hell she was doing up there, and she didn't know. Next step, <laughs> next paragraph. I thought this episode was excellent in the way they had Mulder and Scully interacting. Of course, all of them were that way. For some reason, I wasn't scared by this episode. I can't figure out why, since it's a pretty scary episode. Next paragraph, last paragraph. This is the... You know,
1: I love that it has paragraphs. Yeah, this you know?
2: this sums up everything. It's a different era. I love the ending. I was shocked. I figured that someone's body was out there. Maybe someone was stuck halfway between changing. But Ooh, when they went idea. back and showed the circle, that was great. So that's how that went. <laughs> great. And then another thing that's happening is, so obviously, uh, people really like the character of Scully. It's a very strong female character. And what happens is, in the beginning, what I've noticed is that her character. In the first few episodes, she's such a great actress, and her presence is so good. But a little bit, that character is defined in opposition to Mulder, mm-hmm. uh, so it's kind of a bummer that she's always wrong. It's kind of, you know, so Mulder in the beginning, at least, is the one propelling the story because Mulder's like, "Let's go do this," and she's like, "I don't want to do yeah, that. Let's she's not like, do Let's that." Not, I just am gonna write notes exactly, <laughs> which is like a shitty character it, it sucks to be that character right. to, have to play that character she does an amazing job she's like job. the
1: foil kind of she's not, she's not the villain but she's just like no, she's. Meh, i don't want to go she's
2: almost w- trying to stop the story from happening and as someone watching a tv show you want the story to happen so inevitably you know it's just it's it's, it's just not her character unfortunately the first few episodes is not as interesting to talk about right uh, the episode we talked about last time beyond the sea she, We sort of start seeing more about her and her character becomes more and more interesting. But she played it so well that, you know, uh, it, 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 I think people latched on to her. Um, what happens a little bit is you see that Scully's put in danger of Punch in this. Mm-hmm. And, and so this is a, I thought it was interesting that early on people are having these conversations uh, about Scully. They say I would tend to agree that the writers of the show have given Scully too little credit in many of her encounters with various threats. A notable exception to this, however, was in Squeeze where she effectively holds off the killer. She certainly demonstrates some fair degree of her training by going for the assailant's eyes in one scene and then later, once she's recovered a sidearm, by checking the vents in her apartment. But sadly, in subsequent episodes, the emphasis has shifted away from her and onto Mulder. As fascinating a character as he may be, the telling of the story from her viewpoint was one of the devices that established the plausibility of the early episodes. Feedback, um, and then people are like, I feel that the writers sometimes place her in the stereotypical damsel in distress situations because it's the easy thing to do. Um, I can just consider this a cheap plot device. Whenever the writers need some t- tension, they can always have the bad guy attack the poor unsuspecting female, even though it might have been more interesting to have the crawler guy and Mulder matching wits. Um, and then, so people are sort of arguing back and forth about that. So you can mm-hmm. sort of see people are having a negative reaction to um, whenever Scully's sort of put in these tough situations, you know. Mm-hmm. And then some people argue... This argument, I fucking hate this argument where people are like, "No, but that's just who the guy went after." Like, right, yeah. someone wrote they that. They wrote
1: it. It's, yeah. it didn't just happen. It did like a reality
2: show. I fucking hate yeah, that where they're like, the "No, word. the guy just no, 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 went no, no, after." That's,
1: that's how like life is. It's like <laughs> that's what life that's what does In in X Files life, uh, that's how it happens. A, I think it's 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 such a weird because Scully is actually our entrance into the show. That's like, exactly she's right. Who. How right. we get into the show, but at the beginning, because I watched the rewatch the pilot, and I love that she like gets interested in you know in the, in what they're. I love how it peeks through, yeah. Because she's like trying to be a federal agent and do her job, which is to spy on him, and then but she gets into it because it's her job and she's a scientist and interested in yeah, what she's just, doing. Yeah, but it, yeah, it is weird that they didn't have the maybe not confidence or they just didn't think. I don't know. They just got caught up in cliches. But, like, Mulder is the weirdo.
2: Yeah, Mulder is the weirdo.
1: Mulder is Spock, you know? Yes. And we're there. We're supposed to be watching through Kirk, you know? And she's Kirk. So it doesn't make sense when she's constantly put in distress, which I think we'll probably talk about in the other episode conversation. because it's just cheap it's like she's a crop circle exactly you know?
2: she's a crop circle <laughs> that's exactly right she's a crop circle there's a total crop circle moment in the next one oh, Dude, yeah we we'll talk and, about she
1: she is to me like a, a an evolution out of like agent starling you know that's like, right the that's next a- step of like oh okay she is not fresh and just out of the thing and she's also not Sort of crumbling and falling apart and scared. That's right. But she is into her job and trying to be really good at it. Yes. And wait, like a little bit in over her head, probably in a lot of these storylines. Um, yeah, I don't know how to end that. No, but other that's than exact- it-
2: throw in a crop circle. Yeah, the crop circle. <laughs> White <laughs> shot crop circle. That is good when you sometimes run out of a thing to. Crop circle. Crop circle. Just say <laughs> so that. Um, so a lot of people are talking about that. I found another interesting thing. That's interesting that you said that because people do compare them to uh, Sherlock and Watson a little bit, oh yeah sherlock 's the weirder, and Watson sort of are into yeah. you know these these sort of crazy stories, um, and they also talk about what I just mentioned that she can be kind of it 's kind of a bummer to have her always be wrong. Um, they said uh, he 's talking about a bunch of stuff um, contribu- uh, some people would disagree with me and say that these situations were not her fault, which is when she 's in distress. Perhaps that may be true. However, I think this certainly contributes to my impression of her character being weak at times. Compounding this is the way the writers have portrayed her point of view, her view of the things she and Mulder encounter. The writers have seriously hampered themselves by insisting that Scully not be around when any of the weird but important things happen. This leads to a situation where Mulder and the viewers know that something extraordinary is going on, but Scully somehow manages to miss the event. (laughs) Sometimes she's out of the room which may be somewhat believable, if a bit too convenient. And sometimes she literally falls down on the job, (laughs) as in the forest in the pilot episode. (laughs) She literally just falls down. She just falls down. (laughs) She can't see it. This leads to our being frustrated with her character, and some viewers call her dense. Uh, And as an earlier poster mentioned, this is reflective of a Holmes and Watson syndrome, where Mulder has all the knowledge, and Scully is perennially in the dark. This is an unhealthy situation in what is supposed to be an equal partnership. Um, I think that's a very interesting point i um uh, there's another one oh, and then this is the person who's defending him is like You know, he just goes through it. It's just poorly written, but he says, perhaps it's not that the writers put Scully in distress more often because she's a female, but because we notice it more because she's a female. (laughs) The fault could be with the audience just as much as with the writers. So they're like, listen, if you think this is happening, you're the one seeing it, so it's your fault for seeing it. It's
1: your fault for being a victim here. Yeah, why? I mean, you are the one that fell.
2: (laughs) Why did you fall? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, okay, so I found this. I'm going to read this. And then someone posted, do you know Tom Shales? I don't think so. He is this fucking TV reviewer, okay? Yes. And so this is his review of The X-Files, and someone found it and posted it. And this is the time where reviews aren't online. Yes. And it is one of the most negative reviews I've read of anything. And it gets me angry that it's up. So the So someone files.
1: took the time to transcribe this? Yes. And post it on the internet? They totally did. Because from right. like TV Guide or from where? This is
2: from the Washington Post. Oh, okay. Because they were typing quickly, it says the Washington Pot. <laughs> so That's this
1: basically is... what it is now.
2: <laughs> it totally is. Just in the shitter. <laughs> um, and so this is the review and it got me kind of angry reading it because it's so smug too. Oh, you know, it's like so I really dismissive. hate a smug review in the premiere of fox's the x files tonight this is about the first episode the pilot the hero and heroine discover to their alarm that the time period between nine oh three and nine thirteen has been completely obliterated by a white flash of light and for the life of them they can't account for those missing minutes yes and you're ahead of me aren't you viewers who stick through all of the x files from nine to ten on channel five may feel as if that hour has been obliterated too where oh where did those missing minutes go David Duchovny stars as maverick FBI agent Fox Mulder and Gillian Anderson plays young FBI agent Dana Scully in the drama series, an anthology about a duo who investigate paranormal phenomena. It's not quite sci-fi, not quite fantasy, and yet not quite realistic either. It's not quite a show is what it's not quite. <laughs> oh my God.
1: What a fucking... <laughs> this is quite smug.
2: This is the monster of the week. <laughs> uh, on the premiere, we learned that something funny is happening in, the North West, in Northwest Oregon, as if we didn't already know that. What do you, what do you mean?
1: Great um, Oregon uh, joke.
2: Yeah, great <laughs> Oregon joke. Way
1: to take down Oregon. <laughs> yeah, like, what, 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 what are a bunch of you weirdos think? up there,
2: huh? <laughs> America? <laughs> it seems people are walking around in the woods at night and the wind comes up and then a bright light, and ouch, they end up with two funny little marks on the lower backs, as if from a vampire with a bad sense of anatomy. Then comes an imitation of a sequence from Sounds of the Lambs. Agent Scully trains in Quantico. Because, you know, if you're training in Quantico...
1: Right. That's that's been done before for federal agents. So it's (laughs) not like you... God, get the Pentagon out of here. I've seen the Pentagon so many times. Yeah, get the Pentagon out of here. Change it up every now and then?
2: She learns she used <laughs> to be teamed with Mulder the Maverick, who's cold and hostile when he first meets her. But hey, there's something about him she kind of likes. He looks a little like Richard Gere. Perhaps that's it. So well, that's, he's being a that's fucking. That's pretty reductive. That's like mas- misogynistic, Super, too. Super, like, yeah. They go off to Oregon.
1: Like she couldn't just be intrigued as like a colleague that like she's heard all this about the guy that he's like a super weirdo. So she's like, this is weird. And it (laughs) is,
2: I think the pilot does such a great job, as you just said, of getting her sort of interested in his crusade like she gets enough cool stuff happening that she's like oh something's going on. She's like this guy might actually be right. No it could just be that she thinks he's hot.
1: Yeah she just thinks he's hot.
2: They go off to Oregon where they meet a woman in a loony bin who has a fit and exhibits the same two funny little marks and then to make matters even more bizarre but not more interesting. (laughs) The intrepid FBI agents meet a boy who has been in a coma for four years but suddenly gets an urge to take a hike. You may get a nurse to take a hike too. No. But pity the poor critic who has to sit there with a big grin on his face and watch the whole stupid thing. Yeah, you have such a tough job. It's you have to so watch bad. TV Wait, shows. so this guy's
1: name is Tom Shale, not Tom Shallot?
2: No, Tom Shales.
1: He sounds very much like a Gene Shalit review. He does. You might want to (laughs) take a hike.
2: It totally is a Gene Shalit (laughs) review. He's a Gene Shalit type. All (laughs) sorts of logical explanations for the unexplained, mysterious happenings are examined. There's lab test upon lab test upon lab test. And then a scientist asks, might we not finally turn to the fantastic as a possibility? (laughs) Hmm. Well, we might, but only if we cared enough to wonder about any of this malarkey in the first place. Writer producer Chris Carter and director Robert mandel should probably get credit for trying to bring something a little different to primetime even if it does fit in with Fox's persistently tabloid tone but X-Files is too iffy and inconclusive to be satisfying and then okay he's going to do a pun if, can you guess what the sh- what the pun is uh, going to be
1: It's on the name of the X-Files It is on
2: the name of um, the X-Files
1: Oh, my God. My brain is flipping so fast that I can't figure it out. Here we go.
2: You're you're going to be like, oh, it was right there. At the end, crucial evidence is salted away in the Pentagon, never to be seen again. That's the fucking point. That's the best part. That's the best part. The same fate, are you ahead of me again, could be wished on the X-Files. The X-Files ought to be the X-Series before very long. Oh, my God. Fucking Tom Shales. So...
1: I love that he says lab test upon lab test because I want to just go back in time and be like,
2: just wait. Yeah, just wait to see what TV tests, turns
1: into. The, yeah. Because it's basically <laughs> lab tests from 8 to 11 p.m. every night.
2: <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's like CSI lab test. Flow yeah. uh, <laughs> and Order special lab test special unit. Special lab test unit. A, a lot of people say that X-Files is the one that sort of introduced that whole yeah. forensic element to you know that those kinds of TV the shows. The procedural
1: part. I mean, because Law and Order was existing already was already on for a couple of years before the x-files started and they never talked to the <laughs> me like they never even said me before that yeah and then, then they became like a character in the opening credits of svu she's yeah. like an integral character yeah and each of them is now like they show them on the stand all that stuff
2: yeah all that stuff and They're it's on, all from the show it's all from the x-files yeah. i mean it's, there's so many shows now bones cold case yeah all the csis all NCIS. the learning- ncis ncis all right, so that was us talking about genderbender. Like I said, it's a it's an interesting episode. It's not an amazing episode, but it's 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 there's, there's some like really great creepy stuff in it. Um, like I said earlier, this episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Um, you know, it's a uh, it's very simple and easy to use. They have a bunch of beautiful designs. You can just drag and drop content. Um, and if you have problems, which you won't, because it's so simple, uh, they have twenty four seven support through live chat and email. They're located in New York City, Dublin, and Portland. Plans start at just $8 a month and include a free domain name if you sign up for a year. The design is very responsive, very easy to understand. Um, And every site comes with an online store. Um, And you can start a trial with no credit card and start building your website like today. You could do this today. Um, When you sign up for Squarespace, make sure to use X-Files Files files as the offer code. You'll get 10% off your first purchase, and it'll show your support for... The X-Files Files. files. And uh, like I said, I'm on this show on HBO called Silicon Valley. And we just found out we got nominated for a bunch of Emmys. We got nominated for Best Comedy Show, Best Writing, and Best Director. So it's really, really exciting and fantastic. Uh, I just literally found out like an hour ago. So I'm still sort of on a high and I'm getting a bunch of text messages and... Uh, Kid Cuddy started following me on Twitter So it's all very exciting <laughs> uh, some, of the, some of those are more exciting than others But uh, on the show I think I've mentioned this before Piedpiper.com is a program we made And uh, for viral marketing HBO made a Pied Piper website And they were like "Oh, We don't want to spend too much time doing this We want to we put up a website that's awesome and great looking But we don't really want to like, sweat And figure out how to do it So you know what they did? They used Squarespace.com they probably did not use the offer code because, well, the show wasn't around, and it's HBO. They've got the money. They don't need 10% off. It's like 8 bucks a month. HBO can afford that. So if the Emmy-nominated show, Silicon Valley, uh, uses Squarespace, you can do it too, you know? So please go ahead and do it. Uh, this is uh, how you'll show support for the show. Um, Squarespace, a better web starts with your website. So, yeah, so that episode, uh, interesting ideas, doesn't quite come together. Next episode, Young at Heart, uh, written by Chris Carter, and Scott Koffer, who's a friend of his. He talks about how he, they're best friends, <laughs> which is great. Uh, directed by Michael Lang. This is why I wanted to see this episode. So this episode, <clears throat> um, I think we're going to get into it. Uh, what, what did you think of the episode overall before I...
1: Um, I like this episode as like a, just like, I mean, it sort of leads to other things, but I liked it. I actually liked the direction in this episode like a ton. It reminded me... Well, the pilot reminded me a little bit of David Lynch because of the Northwest implications of like Twin Peaks kind of. Yes. And then this episode really reminded me of David Lynch in the like end sequence... I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves, but the way it was shot, and the name is Young at Heart, and it reminded me of Wild at Heart, Yes. and the way some of those scenes, like sort of in the beginning, and then it's the flashbacks in the movie Wild at Heart, in in the theater, the sort of... nefarious nature of the way it was shot i just i loved it
2: i uh, the reason i wanted to see this episode is that there's an image in this episode that whenever i think of the x-files it's one of the images that comes to my head which is the guy with the salamander Mm -hmm. hand at the end uh people have seen this episode so it's not a spoiler um the guy as he dies at the end he's being held down and you see his salamander hand go limp whenever i think of the x-files that 's one of the images that comes to my head, because I remember watching it when it first came out, and it like really, really freaked me out like oh, it really yeah. got under my skin i don 't remember watching this episode since then um, i mean i 've certainly seen it, but i don 't have like specific memories of like rewatching it later, but that image, and I knew it was from this episode, I was like, because we skipped an episode called Lazarus, mm-hmm. and what happens in Lazarus, and the reason I wanted to skip it was. Uh, Scully's ex-boyfriend comes back, and then his he die His 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 body's possessed by a bad guy. Right. I thought that was weird because it's okay if Mulder and Scully are chasing weird shit. It makes sense that they're always around weird shit if they're chasing it. But it just if it just happens to them, to me that's a little unbelievable. Um, I didn't think the guy's relationship with Scully really made sense. Um, it's just not. I just didn't like that episode. It's like too convenient. It was a little too convenient, and it's also that thing of like she's into like older professor type guys, which it f- seems to me that's not what Scully would be into, right. maybe
1: more of the agent Starling stuff.
2: more, more of the agent Starling stuff yeah. That's exactly right. But this episode, I thought that that image was so cool, and then the opening, the cold open when the guy goes in, and I as soon as I saw that with the guy's on the table and his arm is cut off, Yeah, and it's shot. That scene shot so matter of factly, and it stays on the guy like who looks dead with the cataract eyes, Mm -hmm. with the cut off arm. He just sort of lays there still, and they kind of show it for a while. It just was so creepy. It's very. Then when he blinks, I thought that was such a fucking scary, awesome image. Yeah. Um. And then obviously that exact image is mirrored at the end, where the guy, that same guy, now much younger, weirdly, is on the table again, and he goes dead again. Yeah. I really like that part of it. Some of it. I felt like uh didn't work. One of the things, and I'll sort of point it out as we go, I feel like Mulder is a really, really bad cop in this episode. <laughs> yeah, He's really bad at it. There's one part where... So the premise is that Mulder had this guy he put away. And there's a whole backstory of how Mulder was like a total by-the-books guy. Yeah. And because of his neglect, this guy ended up shooting one of Mulder's colleagues. And... Um, and so then Mulder went off the book after yeah. that. Is it's that- like
1: the missed opportunity that pushed him over the edge and yeah. put him in the basement, basically.
2: right? Which is crazy because it would be his sister's abduction. I thought that yeah. was like his big backstory, not some fucking guy. So um, so this guy then starts taunting Mulder again, even though he's dead. And we find out that this guy has sort of undergone some sort of tests and is now young. This is another thing that the Zach Handlin from AV Club pointed out was like, these scientists, I know you need people to experiment on. Don't do it on criminals. If it I, works, yeah. now you've got like a super criminal. Super
1: criminal, yeah. Don't
2: do that. Yeah. Um, there's a part where uh, the guy, the, Reggie, who's Mold, the, 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 the black guy who's like Mulder's oh, ex-partner. Yes. By yeah. the way, if you were Mulder's ex-partner, Oh, ex- right, partner, yes,
1: Reggie. You're Watch out. You're going to end up dying.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Reggie, Reggie. <laughs> Reggie. <laughs> um. He says, uh, Mulder says description, and he goes, white guy, 5'11 to 6 feet tall, ski mask. And then Mulder goes, that's Barnett. What? Yeah. How do
1: you know? How? There's no way you could know if that. If he's wearing a ski
2: mask. That, that was has...
1: what I found so weird about this episode is it's just Mulder constantly saying, I know it is. I know it is. Yeah. I know it is. I know, like, oh, just over and over yeah. again, where you're like somebody just believe him because he is just shouting
2: i just thought that specifically was such a weird because it's like a guy in a ski mask Mulder isn't like oh that could be anybody right oh that's barnett yeah there's no way that you know that there's also that weird thing while Mulder is flirting with the handwriting or she's flirting with him remember that the handwriting expert lady how did i miss that because she says you just brought this in 10 minutes uh ago and then she says ten minutes may be enough for you, Mulder. I wouldn't know. <laughs> right. Like it's this weird thing yeah. where it's like how long you can have sex. Like it's kind of yeah. weird. Yeah. Because she's not someone who you would traditionally think would be a person who would be flirting with Mulder. Um, I thought the uh the video footage, remember when they showed the video footage yeah. of Mulder not shooting the guy? Yes. I thought that was kind of cool. Um I didn't like that Mulder used to be by the book and this is the incident that made him... In the early episodes, a lot of stuff that happens that I realize isn't good is when the epi- there's a specific episode that tries to explain something about their character with one thing, and it seems so reductive, mm-hmm. and it happens in Fire, the episode called Fire, where Mulder is f- afraid of fire for some reason, and that <laughs> never comes up again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and in this one, it's that this incident makes him like... Not by the books. I could not right. ever imagine Mulder not being super into UFOs and shit.
1: Yeah. They um, kind of, it, like in the pilot, they kind of uh, allude to it being that, that somebody says, like, he was so good. Of course he has to be crazy. You yes. know, like, you couldn't possibly be this good at your job right, if you weren't I... a nut. And yeah. so, like, then to go back and be like, no, 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 he was a good cop at one point. Yeah, And then just this one dude really stared him down in court.
2: And even what the fucking dude did, uh, of the fact that Mulder didn't shoot him, where they all kind of chastise him. Yeah. That felt like the right thing. I think yeah. Mulder did the right I thing. think not shooting
1: someone is kind of always a good choice.
2: Well, yeah. Cause, and there was a hostage there. Yeah. It's not like Mulder, that guy was completely open and, you know, Mulder could have killed a hostage. The book says if he had killed a hostage, Mulder would have gone to, like, jail for it. Oh, yeah. Um, I thought a funny part was, was So Scully goes to Reggie And Reggie shows him the video, her the videotape Which Reggie just has lying around <laughs> right. As soon as she goes up Mulder's like did he show you the videotape <laughs> I feel like Reggie's just like bringing people yeah. down Like hey you guys want to
1: see the videotape Every time people come over It's like an old Lakers tape <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like in Three Men and a Baby He's hey, like look at <laughs> this. Peter Smith, Tom Selleck Being like <laughs> best clutch shot Best clutch shot in history.
2: (laughs) And there's also the part where then Mulder says that the guy who ends up dying because of Mulder's quote-unquote negligence, that his son is an all-star football player. Like, why are you following his kid's career? That's That's creepy. And then he just goes and watches the kid play a game. Like, oh, oh, by the way, that guy that's responsible for your dad's death is back. He's
1: right there, yeah.
2: That fucking guy. (laughs) Um, And then there's the part where Mulder goes to the car and there's another taunting note there. Mulder just yells like, I'll get you, you son of a bitch. Like, <laughs> yeah. Nothing says that this is a cop who doesn't have his shit down than just yelling, I'm going to get you, you son of a bitch. <laughs> screaming at like nothing. into the ether. <laughs> yeah, screaming it into nothing. You're just like, I, this is all I've got. Yeah, there's a kid's yelling. football game going <laughs> yeah. on. They yeah. should be like, these are the people protecting us, right. by the way. Um, Can we also talk about how good the dead guy's handwriting was? Yeah, it was great. It's really good handwriting. Really
1: impeccable handwriting. And his hand is a salamander. And it's a salamander hand.
2: One thing you should do, have you looked up like, uh, because salamanders can like regrow limbs? Yes,
1: actually, I think it was my sixth grade science fair. um, I think I tried to make an electromagnet, which didn't really work (laughs) too well. I was like really into electricity. But um, this one gal whose name was Kirsten, I think, she experimented on salamanders in sixth grade. She cut off? She cut off their oh. tail. No. And then she put, like, one of them in a closet, like, basically put t- took the in, uh, deprivation, sensory oh, deprivation. No. To see if it would work. And my, my mom, who raised me vegetarian, yes. was so mad. She, like, went to the school and was like, you cannot let these kids do experiments That's, like this. This is terrifying. Was the
2: school okay
1: with it? I feel like yes. But also as a kid, so I don't really remember if there was any... Wow. She was a weirdo. I'm sure that she's probably like a scientist now and probably like working for NASA fucking or something. Just because she was like, who cares? You know, like I just want to yeah. know. Like that, she just like cut to the quick of the salamander. Uh, but yeah, I know about salamanders because they, of that.
2: There's, a, there's pictures online of the, like they cut their limbs off and then they slowly regrow. Yeah. It's fucking weird it's and super creepy because the hand comes back fully, like with all the fingers and shit. Yeah, it's not just like a replacement hand.
1: Right. It's the whole thing. It's, it's the not just whole the thing. the stump that, like, well, I'll try to get yeah, no. some mobility back. Like, it's fingers. It's and better it, it's than it's phalanges. ever been. It's phalanges,
2: yeah. Yeah, it's phalanges. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: It's phalanges. <laughs> There's the one part where Reggie says to Mulder, like, hey, maybe someone from the bureau is behind this. Like, they're trying to, like, prank Mulder so that Mulder, Mulder oh, falls. Oh, yeah, like, go crazy. And he gets so excited. He's like, oh, it's a conspiracy? Okay, <laughs> great. This is my shit. This is another thing I've noticed that they do a lot in the first season is that they have people from the past come back to give the stories import. Like it happens in Fire, his ex-girlfriend comes back, it happens in Lazarus, it happens in Ghost in the Machine. And what happens is like you really don't need it. You're adding history that's unnecessary because I think these characters for the most part are so good that you don't need to like weigh, add weight to right. why they're, you know, to the, to those, to, you don't need to add weight to these stories. These stories are good on their own.
1: Yeah, they're like fascinating and it's actually, well, you're saying weight, it's like actually weighing them down. Yeah, and you're exactly. spending too much time on that stuff when you really just want to see how they act, react to it now and then the history is being built in the first season. That's and right. And then in the second season, you you now have spent all this time with them and you understand how they operate and now they're going to operate differently because of the things they did in the first season. And then you start bringing back like little tiny bits of history. And to me, that's second right. season is when you do that stuff.
2: Right. You know, that's when you add. I think you're right. And I think that they're doing in the first season is just sort of a little bit of, you know, lack of confidence a yeah. little bit, I think, where For they sure. they aren't, completely confident in the characters they've created or the stories and it's completely understandable if you watch the first half of season one is way stronger than the second half Mm -hmm. too so uh, I think they're sort of ha- had they're sort of freaking out a little bit, like they have all these stories, and we just want to throw all these stories at the wall, and then they're like, oh shit, we've used all the good stories, so let's just have like some. So- we need like an evil computer episode. Let's do that. <laughs> yeah. So they do some of that, and I don't remember it happening as much in subsequent season, but it really happens in the first in the first season because later, then you know, their families become part of it, and that's a yeah. much more organic thing.
1: It makes sense that you would just ex- open. Yes. You know, the world would grow to see like oh okay now I understand Right. You have family. instead of being like oh ex-boyfriend look at this and yeah. he's possessed now because yeah. <laughs> that makes sense because now that you're involved in this stuff these things would start happening yeah too. that is crazy it's a bit of a leap to like. it's a total leap when you're launching a show that you would immediately do that I would totally buy it in a second season yeah third season well because you've seen then enough stuff
2: like if you've seen like 40 things one of them could be weird like that but yeah. if you've only seen 10 things 10 things cool. one of them being weird like that is, is weird Although the the guy, the bad guy who is uh, Mulder, is like nemesis in this. Yeah, he he's great at drinking drinking water in a creepy way. Super weird I, with I,
1: handcuffs I, in a courtroom.
2: Yeah, I bet that's what the the script said. Like, you know, <laughs> drink water in like a really bad, bad, really creepy. creepy way. <laughs> Make it like super creepy.
1: Make water really creepy. Why is
2: he so smug? Does he know he's gonna live forever? He doesn't know that. No,
1: I think I mean I think he's just like supposed to be pure evil yeah because
2: right i mean i don't know
1: how often this would happen this actually happens in real life in crime in a hostage situation but i feel like many people many criminals who take hostages in like a heat of a moment kind of a thing that it's not like a hostage thing where they take you know like a dog day afternoon but like where they just grab somebody as a human shield yeah i feel like 10 times out of 10 that criminal is not gonna kill that person
2: I would think so You know,
1: like they, they don't Because that's not the point You know they're just right. Trying to get out of there Right They don't actually want To murder that person Right But I think He is supposed to be Pure evil That he, he does not care He's just a monster He will just kill whatever
2: So maybe that makes sense That's why he's being smug Because he's like I'm going to get put He's
1: pretty- like I don't care I'll kill you Well, I'm well he gonna says kill I'll you. kill
2: you But he has no way Of backing yeah. that up <laughs> Right But it would still suck To hear that Absolutely Yeah Uh, so smug another thing I noticed about this episode uh, it's not as funny there's some funny stuff in the beginning where Mulder says oh she says why are we here Scully says why are we here and Mulder goes like oh it's a felony because it's a robbery in a jewelry store and she's like thank you so there's some rapport stuff but later uh, the episode isn't as funny as some of the other episodes which I didn't love and I didn't love um, that Mulder is a pretty bad cop in this he does he really does nothing. Uh, it moves slow because of that. He makes no headway. And then Scully's friend has a cello recital at the right? end. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the Oh, he circle. just knows that
1: I'm going to a cello recital. <laughs> he yeah. figured out my... I, I do love that she's like, he figured out my voicemail or my answering machine code. Because yeah. I totally forgot about that. The dial-in number. She's yeah, like, he figured out dial my in. dial-in number. I'm like, oh man, I could go to a payphone and check my messages.
2: The other thing that I miss is that the scene that we've lost now is the um, the putting the trace on the phone yes. now that we all have caller ID. Yeah. That used to be such a big part of... But
1: they still do that. They still do that. They still How come? do that. And it's also the fakest thing. Like, traces are like that. Yeah. Like as soon as you press the button it's traced. It doesn't like have to go through a map on Yeah, a, you see the, the map like, <laughs> like getting smaller. Oh, we can't get around the church. I don't <laughs> know, hang on. Keep him on there.
2: <laughs> we can't get around the church. <laughs> There's too much spirituality Just keep in to him. this.
1: Talk to him about the Animaniacs or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's like
2: such bullshit. Oh, uh, so uh the Tiny Toons are Animaniacs. I gotta <laughs> know. I gotta know where do you fall? Uh have you played the Pokemon games? <laughs> Are you into it? I like Magic the Gathering. I, I Mulder is such a bad cop in this because there's one part also where he says, I, st- I stood next to you while you're getting coffee this morning. Like, that is... You're a terrible cop. Because that guy's also at the fucking game, right? Yeah. When Mulder just He's goes... He's everywhere. ...to watch the game. And the other thing that I think is super dumb, they always... I think this is bad writing, is when they have, like, latch onto one thing that makes someone human, so, like, the guy is dead, and they show... That it's sad because the kid is now an all-star football player and the dad can't right. see it. And also when Reggie dies, Mulder's like, Oh, he was working on this novel.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he just got divorced. Like it was like insult or his like wife died. Is from that cancer. what it was? That's what it was. She was battling kids. Like just laying all this sadness yeah. on top of you.
2: I think what it does a lot is like so they've got this image of the salamander hand that they know is coming out coming up later. So they really kind of lean on that a little bit where oh, they're yeah. like, Oh, the writing is the same, but it's kind of different. It's almost like they're wearing gloves or it's like, there's no f- handprints. So they like really sort of set up the hand being a thing coming up. And I think that works well because I think that hand is a fucking creepy ass image. It's a
1: very creepy image. I am. Uh, how did they not see that guy? They spent so much time with that, um, like criminal sketch artist who yeah, with a all different versions that, didn't have a mouse and she was changing it, which I'm not like a... How is she changing it? Like a scholar about Photoshop or photo imaging programs, but I do believe that they did not really exist before a mouse technology (laughs) existed, and I don't think you could just have a ton of keystrokes and then, like, make him old. Well, (laughs) because there's
2: also a part where Mulder goes, uh, he must be wearing some kind of disguise and she just puts, like, a beard on him. Like a huge,
1: like, carnival beard on him. Yeah. what kind of
2: disguise? Be a little more specific. A
1: ray on there or something
2: and then I did some research on this, so um, they basically the guy reverse engineers progeria or kids who have progeria and that disease, and that 's how he makes people like younger is using that and there's a cool idea in there where he says that he saw a disease as a um how does he call it uh like an illness as a as an illness rather than an inevitability. I thought that was a fun idea. So they showed that they showed the girl, the progeria girl, in the footage, and Mulder goes, "She looks about 90. Like, don't be a fucking asshole." She doesn't look 90. She doesn't look 90. And I looked her up, and that was that's a real kid who yeah. has progeria, and they contacted. Here I'm gonna look up exactly. They contacted like the progeria, like, foundation, and they found this girl, uh, who uh is. St- as far as I can tell, still around. You're kidding! And she was the prom queen in 2004. Oh, that's awesome! Of her uh, school.
1: How old was she there?
2: I think she was probably six or something, because wow. if it it's prom queen, twelve years, mm. 93, 2004. Yeah, yeah that that yeah. works about right. Um, and as far as I could tell, she's still alive. Wow. Um. So that's pretty impressive. And yeah. I didn't know how I felt. I was like, that's weird that they got a real person who has a real disease to, like, sort of show this, you know. But but apparently she was a big fan of the show. Yeah. And the parents were fans of the show, so it's kind of cool that this kid got to be in this show.
1: And I can't imagine that it's any... I mean, it seems better to me. And she wasn't... I don't think she was, like, portrayed in a sad way. In no. Any way. It's it's definitely not worse than, like, Maury? Because, like, Maury, Maury has... Kids with progeria and like extreme dwarfism and stuff. Oh, like really? The, I haven't like seen more like the kids more. that have like. I used to spend a lot of uh daytime TV by myself because I was an only child, so I spent a lot of time just watching whatever garbage was on television. Or just you
2: being lonely watching. Yeah, just watching whatever. Who have it tougher than I do. <laughs>
1: yeah, well, I'm okay, but yeah, I th- I feel like this show and if she's a fan and stuff, it's like.
2: I, I don't know how this came up, but I was looking up primordial dwarfism Oh, that's yesterday. that's what I meant. Yeah, and that's when they're like uh very very so very small, small but also in the right proportions so yes. they i mean like like as big as an arm
1: they they're like and i do not mean this in a funny way they are like a ventriloquist's dummy size that's yeah, like how big they, they are they
2: are they're like little doll size yeah
1: they're like a doll
2: yeah oh he says he saw aging as an opportunistic disease is the quote and i thought mm-hmm. that was a fun quote um, again, in this one, uh, oh, one thing I I want to say real quick: they call him, they call the doctor. By the way, who, when he shows up, he looks just like Waldo. Mm-hmm. If you look oh, yeah. at it again, he's got the Waldo glasses. He's yes. got a Waldo face with, with creepy cataract eyes.
1: And he looks a little bit like Bob Geldof in the in the wall too.
2: Oh yeah, <laughs> like
1: slicked back yeah. the hair and yeah.
2: But they call him Dr. Mengele, which is another Nazi reference. This is a theme that keeps coming up, at least in the first season, a lot, and more and more as it goes. We're like World War II crimes. We defeated the Nazis. We don't do the shit they do, and then you find out. That the government, mm-hmm. at least on the show, yeah. is doing the very shit that we sort of fought the government, th- that we fought the Nazis to, you know, the reason that we didn't like the Nazis is exactly the stuff that our government is doing now. It's the ghost of the past haunting us. You see that a lot. Again, in this episode, Scully's in danger, huh? Or or at least they they sort of play that she's going to be in danger. I mean, she like
1: knowingly agrees to be in danger. So I have like a little less of a problem with that. Yeah, yeah. Because she's like wearing the vest and she knows what's
2: up. Well, they, they set up earlier. Earlier, you think she's in danger, but it turns out to be just that doctor. Right. They do that. And he says, the man who owns the fountain of youth rules the world, which is not like a existing quote but he says it as if it's like the oldest
1: it's totally like a it's almost like a cartoony villain kind of a thing to say like haha yeah rules the world (laughs) yeah
2: um and then when he says that the government finances reaches research Mulder gets excited again oh the government sucks okay this makes sense the other thing Deep Throat shows up and Deep Throat tells him again. I felt, I always love when Deep Throat shows up. In this episode, it felt a bit of a crutch where Mulder, who had figured, Mulder and Scully in this episode have figured nothing out. Mm -hmm. They've done really nothing. They've made no headway. And then suddenly Deep Throat shows up just to tell them what the story is. And this was the first time I felt like, I felt like a little deus exe, you know, where he shows up just to... Um, sort of tell them the stuff they need to know. Uh, Scully's friend has a cello recital, which I thought was very, (laughs) uh, very adorable. If you guys go back and watch, or you should watch too, right at 41, right when Mm -hmm. the guy pulls out a gun, Uh, Mulder pushes a guy super hard for no reason. (laughs) He pushes him for no reason. That's awesome. I watched it five
1: times. Is it in slow-mo or it's in regular speed? It's in regular-mo. Okay.
2: But he pushes like a guy who's off to the side Not even in his way. (laughs) He's not in his way. Mulder pushes him super hard for no reason. Um, And then at the end, Mulder is big. They set up the exact same scenario again. Right. That, you know, earlier Barnett has a human shield and he doesn't do anything. And now he's got the cellist human shield and now yeah. Mulder does the right thing. I thought that was a little, um, little pat. It was on the nose. Little, little on the <laughs> nose. And it's this big like, hey, you didn't do it by the book. You
1: did it. You did it. Which you is like, it.
2: it's okay. Mulder's not been doing shit by the book for a long time. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's like locked in the basement. In
1: basement. <laughs> yeah. He's locked in the
2: basement <laughs> looking for UFOs. <laughs> yeah. I don't think that's a problem for him anymore. Um, so this episode, uh, has exactly the same ratings as the last one, 7.2, uh, share 6.8 million households, exactly the same. The one between them, Lazarus was up a little bit. So, so, so there's the one we talked about, then Lazarus is up and then this one is back down. Um, oh yeah, the contact of the Progeria Society, the girl's name is Courtney Arciaga And uh, they said, co-executive producer R.W. Goodwin said it was a very, very touching moment for us on an individual basis. When we contacted the parents, we found out they were big fans of the show, as was the little girl. It was almost like a -a Make-A-Wish kind of thing. It was wonderful, Uh, which is weird because Make-A-Wish, she's still alive.
1: Yeah, for sure. She was adorable in that footage, though. Yeah. uh, She did a great job. (laughs) Yeah, she was
2: great. She's in one other thing. I, I, I forget what it was. Michael Lang really liked the episode. I liked the script very much. I liked it because it had a lot of good spookiness to it. To me, the intriguing part of the doctor's research uh, into being able to reverse the aging process, which I wish we could have explored more. Um, and then the director says, we felt it was good because it made the disease visible. So it helped create more public awareness of it. So th- they're talking about how they did mm-hmm. a service to progeria. Um when John Barnett dies in the hospital near the end of this episode, it is the first time in the series that Mulder has been directly responsible for her death. So that's interesting. That is interesting. Um, before I go to the message boards, which I really think are pretty interesting this time, <laughs> is there something you want to say about the episode?
1: Um, I really liked the uh, the cataracts. Thing. Yeah, that there was like one thing he couldn't figure couldn't fix. out because that's yeah. always you know I like I it might be a little cliched, but I love. No, I that, liked it. That there's like just one obstacle keeping you from being able to do to to reach perfection there's always an achilles heel that like i just can't i can't get the eyes yeah exactly i mean that's like in art too like there's always like one thing that an artist like can't portray like i just can't get ears i can't do it it's (laughs) like you can just never be perfect at something because we're human
2: yeah, you exactly. Know? Like if you look at the statue of David, he clearly didn't spend as much time on the penis as he should no. have. Like yeah. he's like, ah, and the penis well, is Well, just
1: pop it on there. Yeah, I mean, it's
2: <laughs> just a garden hose, cut off a garden hose. <laughs> yeah. You guys know what a dick looks like. <laughs> look at the muscles on we're the arms. We're
1: not here for the dick, right? Yeah, we're here we're for not. the shoulders.
2: <laughs> the shoulders the are great. I was in Florence earlier this year, or was it in the last, last year? And I saw the statue of David. And mm. I'm not a guy who really has Is this
1: a... Michelangelo's David or Donatello's David?
2: This is Michelangelo's oh, okay. David. And it like almost made me cry. It's yeah. unbelievable how yeah. gorgeous this thing is.
1: I can't even imagine.
2: I had such a cuz like it's sort of like, you know, you wait in line, you pay money, you go in and it's a bunch of art that and I'm like I said I'm not a a very visual guy who's not into like You know i like what i like but Mm -hmm. i can't really say why i like it but then you turn this corner it's under this like sunlight and it's Mm -hmm. like this this god's you know bounty is shining upon this and it's massive and beautiful and perfect and he made it when he was like 27 or something crazy like that it's it's gorgeous it's unbelievable you think
1: about like it was just a block you know before it It was a block and somebody could see that and go okay
2: all right, I got this. That,
1: you know, like and then it turns out to be absolutely beautiful.
2: And it's what's also cool is right there, right next to it, there's four or five other pieces that he never finished because the funding fell through, whatever. So it is these blocks and there's like these figures, half card figures trying to escape out yeah. of this block, you know? Yeah. So it really puts like in you you really see the process. You see how it was a block and then it wasn't, and now that one became David, but these guys never like I, yeah. achieved their full potential.
1: Almost kind of like the morphing techniques in Gender Bender. <laughs> yes, we're like still doing that. <laughs> yeah, we've
2: just we been really doing are. it forever. They really, the the female and the male that they had in that shot really looked pretty similar. They really did. The Actually, morph-
1: there was a quote that I read that uh, I forget who it was that was working on the show that was like kind of bummed because they were so similar that oh. the morphing didn't really look. It, was, like, it wasn't It was as pronounced because it wasn't going from, like, this guy that is, like, 200 pounds to this woman that's yeah. 110 pounds. Well, or that whatever. would have looked real It looked, like, really similar.
2: Um, when is this? Is this before or after the Michael Jackson black and white video? It's got to be like before, that was
1: 92. That was 92? That, was that 92? video premiered in 92. I'm pretty sure.
2: Because that morphing is better than this morphing, right? It's,
1: that's, like, the first instance of that
2: but they do a great job in oh, that
1: yeah in that it's amazing that i remember sitting i was just talking about this too i said uh at home i was just like do you remember when we used to like watch music video premieres like everybody oh yeah waited for that to happen like yeah. the ones on mtv but also that premiered on like abc did it yeah and it was like along for the whole thing with um george went at the beginning and uh, Macaulay Culkin, there's like a scene of, he's like, turn it down, yelling oh, at Macaulay Oh, yeah. There's like
2: a whole story at the beginning. Yeah, John Landis directed some of them. Yeah, Thriller. It's he did Thriller. thriller. Yeah, I'm not that's sure the-
1: if he did the black and white one, but he definitely did thr- a thriller,
2: and the black and white one, the morphing is like you know it's a total close up yeah, all kinds of people all moving, is like dancing yeah. around, yeah, because I X- remember
1: that one woman with like a lot of hair, yeah and she's like really bouncing around, and that that one is yeah. the one where you're like, holy shit, how did they yeah,
2: father <laughs> are like, we could do it, we got to be super far away, yeah. and the guy and the girl have to pretty much be the same they looking person pretty much
1: have to be the same person,
2: so what's cool in this I noticed this message board is um. There's interesting stuff about the specific episode, but what I thought was really uh, interesting was, I'm going to read this, is um, people... So this is the beginning sort of where the internet, a lot of people are getting it. So how the copyright stuff, how something... How if you type something on the internet, like what the copyright issue with that is, is a conversation that happens that's interesting (laughs) people are figuring out. So this guy says, I know that a lot of people have posted a suggestion for show IDs on this group. That's great. In the interest of interactive TV, we should try to set up an idea feedback mechanism for the show in order to increase the quality. He says the main problem with suggesting ideas is that if the show uses them, it has to be careful not to be sued for plagiarism. Um, Solution to this problem, it seems to me, is to create a culture slash tradition of supplying free and legally released ideas to the groups analogous to information charity. Can anybody out there help out setting up some legal, traditional, cultural superstructure to make this process a reality? I have a lot of ideas for the show, for instance, <laughs> and I'd be perfectly happy to give them away for free. And so would a lot of other people. Furthermore, I'm sure that most people wouldn't mind if their ideas were taken, mix and matched, and edited at the whim of the writers. Let's start a thread on the subject. So this guy's like, <laughs> I have great ideas on the show, and
1: I do not care if they are taken. <laughs> I just want chop them up at the wi- at your whim.
2: <laughs> yeah, do whatever you want to do. <laughs> So this guy's, which is crazy.
1: That's a crazy thing to say. <laughs> that, first of all, it's
2: such so arrogant that like, oh, yeah. these geniuses are created. Well, they don't know that it's gonna be a show with such cultural sure, import. Yeah. But he's like, I got, I got some shit, too. What if it's a werewolf that's also a vampire? <laughs> Use it. You can have that one. So then this guy says, uh, "I personally think, in my humble opinion." That anything posted on a public forum without previous copyright is public property. You can't say it, that something is true if it's in your humble right. opinion. If, if
1: it's I-M-H-O.
2: Yeah. I-M-H-O, you can't that say anything- it's a
1: fact. <laughs>
2: <laughs> exactly. There's no room for fact in I-M-H-O. <laughs> None of those letters overlap even.
1: I am I-M-H-F-O in yeah. my humble factual
2: <laughs> opinion. Uh, in my... I am H- that anything posted in a public forum without previous copyright is public property and thus may be used by screenwriters anytime they wish. Uh, basically, think of us as personal, but somewhat distant friends of the screenwriters. And by Whoa. incorporating something we uh, say here into a script, he says we weigh here into a script instead of we say. So clearly this guy has great ideas. They're simply using an idea of one of their friends. In quotes, came up with one night over coffee. Since there is no copyright on what we say here, since it's one part or, uh, originality or ten parts opinion anyway, it's open season on concepts. Just my two cents. Again, you can't have two cents you, you, and the law and say this is what's also true. So these guys don't know. I mean, now that's pe-
1: like the birth of the like super egotistical tone of the internet. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like the like, oh yeah, we're friends with these guys. Because we spend every Friday or whenever this premiered. That's exactly right. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, we're friends. Like, they know us. Yeah. They read this. They're reading it right now. They, they get it. They're spending all this time, just like we are, analyzing yeah. the show they already made.
2: Yeah. And we have great ideas. And they, they have great hell, ideas.
1: They don't know. They, they're they running out of ideas. We need to have coffee with them over the internet.
2: <laughs> we have to have coffee. <laughs> Virtual coffee. Just my two cents. Um. So it's, but it's interesting. Now people know that if you write something on the internet, in a way, that's kind of copywriting it because you can't just take it and use it. There's proof that you've had it online before yep. someone else. Everyone kind of knows that. But these people don't. Yeah. It's the beginning of this stuff. But although people
1: do steal stuff all the time,
2: people do steal stuff. And when they, they get don't,
1: caught. I've noticed that, um, like, crediting things, people don't. Well, there's that over the 4th of July weekend that we just had, the American Apparel Social Media person posted yeah. the challenger disaster as yeah. a fireworks display <laughs> so like i feel like people that are using the internet don't totally understand crediting things i also saw something recently like in an article a photo uh, that was clearly like an artistically purposely shot like somebody came to this guy's yeah. house took photos yeah. and they were like here use these for magazines or this is your yeah. headshot that you distribute and the credit in the article was www.facebook.com no like they found it on facebook put, put it in like varieties top it wasn't variety yeah. but like top 10 most influential vegans or something and like
2: yeah they grabbed it from facebook and instead
1: of reading like photo by this person they were just like i got it from
2: facebook well you know what it is doesn't facebook have a thing in their thing that nobody reads that all photos are owned by facebook
1: yes and also instagram too
2: well that's wow
1: it's pretty bad so they can like sell your photos for advertising or like stock photos. It is
2: pretty bad. So But this person... other
1: people like you couldn't take my Insta I couldn't take your Instagram photos and then distribute That's it as right. my own. They just that can. you can get in trouble for. That's right. At least peer to peer you can get in trouble for that. But if Instagram does it, you've signed the thing.
2: Crazy. So now these people are talking about that stuff. And then this guy says, it would probably make things a whole lot easier if you were right. But unfortunately, you're 100% wrong. (laughs) The general thought certainly prevalent among among the online services is that each poster retains copyright of his or her post. And the services retain copyright of the compilation. Um, And then someone says, um, first off, if you ain't a lawyer, your opinion is just an opinion. Which is exactly right. That's pretty true. Then this person says, "My understanding is that you do retain copyright on anything posted. By posting, you've just lobotomized your right of reproduction. Basically, that someone can copy and paste, but then as long as they credit yep. you." And I think that was interesting. So, so that's an interesting conversation. I thought that was happening. That now people, everyone understands it, even if they try and right. skirt it, they know it's wrong. Back then, people didn't know it was wrong. Yeah. Also, people are trying to give ideas. Um, th- that's exactly the reason why you know, like. Dan Harmon, people will come and be like, hey, take this script. And Dan's yeah. like, no, I cannot take it. Right. Because if you, if this ends up, you can sue me later. Yeah. And this is proof.
1: That's it right there.
2: It's interesting. There's one part, you know, where uh, we were talking about how uh, they have to explain, what was it? Oh, pheromones that you explain in this. So certain things like enter the lexicon late in which fertilization fertilization uh, pheromones. And in this one, people are like, hey, Mulder said the bullet through went through eight layers Of what? uh, Mulder said the bullet went through eight layers of what? It's Kevlar. But I guess early 90s,
1: people didn't
2: quite maybe know Kevlar. Or maybe this just... just Maybe Kevlar was really new. Maybe Kevlar was new.
1: (laughs) I don't know. super funny. Um,
2: And then I thought, I was like, oh, so these people... What I noticed was people were always talking about really important stuff. And I was like, oh, nowadays message boards are so dumb. They're talking about stuff that doesn't matter. But this is the beginning of message boards and they're talking about, even if it's like conversations aren't like smart, they're trying to talk about smart stuff. And then I found this. So <laughs> let's read this like a conversation. This yep. is four or five people actually having a, an in-depth discussion about this. But um, we'll read it like it's a conversation. Okay. So you're going to read the bolded parts bolded and I'm going to read the unbolded parts. Okay. Don't read ahead. Okay. Don't read ahead. Okay. Don't read ahead. And we're going to read this like it's a one-act play. All right. And, again, it's four or five people chiming in. Mm-hmm. But I read this, and I was like, I'm going to read the entire thread. Yeah. There might be times where you think it's going on too long. <laughs> Stay okay. with it. All right. I'll so you're going to read the bolded parts. Yep. Okay? So this is the whole thread. Yep. I thought Scully lived in a house. When did she move to an apartment?
1: I never saw her live in a house. The only time she was in, in the house was when she was hosting a birthday party for her godson.
2: Scully has always had an apartment. Check conduit. Mulder lucks into having someone going out of the security door as he need as he need to get in to save her from the reticulin, a.k.a. the liver eater. During Beyond the Sea, as Scully ushers her parents out, it does look like she lives in a house, but I figured she just hung a Christmas wreath on her apartment door, which is amazing since any door decorations I've put in an apartment door have been swiped within two weeks. In fact, Scully lives in apartment 35, if I remember correctly.
1: But when she let her parents out the front door or met the doctor in the last episode, the door to her apartment emptied out onto a lawn. Could this be a townhouse or condo set up?
2: I have a friend who lives in the bottom floor of an apartment complex and his door opens up onto a lawn.
1: Remember the episode regarding her dad? They visited her her at her house at the beginning of the show. This was the show with the psychic prisoner.
2: Hmm, I got the impression that the house was her godson's. I don't know, though. So you've literally said nothing. (laughs) Why would you post if you don't know? I don't know, though.
1: Hmm, I don't know, though.
2: (laughs) I don't know, though.
1: I love that. For some reason, I've always assumed it was a townhouse. That's the first thing that pops into my mind when I try to picture nice living quarters (laughs) in the D.C. area. What they've shown of Scully's place is pretty consistent with that, too, assuming the townhouse is divided into first- and second-story apartments. I haven't noticed any indication of her having more than just the one floor in her place.
2: So... (laughs) I guess people were talking about bullshit back then. Too. Definitely
1: talking about bullshit. I do. I love that this person is like, which is amazing. Since any door decorations I've put on an apartment door have been swiped within two weeks. <laughs> just I sad. really thought they were gonna say like, any door decorations I've put on my apartment have been deemed illegal by the <laughs> <laughs> by the whole, <laughs> by the, the, the like housing association. Of, yeah. yeah, the <laughs> exactly. the
2: association of that building. So I thought that was really interesting. It's also you know a lot of people say uh, uh, first episode Devin Farachi was on and he was saying how this show was sort of the beginnings of fandom, of a specific kind of fandom, where people really give a shit about very specific, little, minutia. There's an episode earlier where we talked about, uh, in the message boards, people are talking about what kind of gun they have. Mm-hmm. And this is the beginnings of that, I yeah. think, where people are talking about what kind of house does she live in. Could not matter less. Doesn't matter at all. Doesn't matter at all. Yeah. But here Isn't they are. Isn't this
1: also, well, because I feel like the, the um, f- specific fandom started... With Star Trek?
2: Well, yes.
1: This this ilk, this, this is kind the, of thing. This is the, and then the slash. Well, in, wait, oh, you guys were talking about shippers, yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is fascinating to me. Yeah. This I love f- that idea. And, you, and I think Devin was saying, like, the great thing about them is that there's no will they, won't they. So you can ship away because, like, it's never going to interfere with your shipping.
2: Yeah. You know, like,
1: I love that. Because it is hard to... I, I was introduced to sh- the idea of shipping through the television show, The L Word. Because I had no idea what people were talking about. Because I used to download it through... Um, what was that thing called? LimeWire?
2: Oh, no. Don't admit that.
1: <laughs> I mean, I didn't download it through anything. Yeah. Um, I've since bought it numerous times. So I feel like oh, I've made up fine. for it. I totally own yeah. it. But, um, you know, the people actually hooked up eventually. And I remember like being thinking about shipping and all that. People were writing about that on yeah. like After Ellen boards and stuff. Yeah. And it is frustrating when they actually do get together because yeah. then you're like, well, now what do I?
2: Well, now do I concentrate
1: w- on or think about the show? All right, great. Are they going
2: to be like, like divorcers, right? like shippers, <laughs> yeah. Or, like breakers, Vors-
1: divorcers?
2: Yeah, divorcers or, or
1: like divs or something.
2: They, I think I like divorcers. Yeah, divorcers is pretty. Yeah, divorcers. Um. So yeah, they they really. Um and then a couple episodes ago there's also one where people first start talking about like here are they going to get together? I don't yeah. want them to. I kind of want them to. So sort of develops this very specific kind of fandom that still I'm finding it's pretty great like It's as, very deep. As this podcast is coming out I'm finding a lot of people are still very very into the X Files. Yeah, um, it's been really, really awesome, and a lot of people tweet at me, and I see that their Twitter backgrounds are the X Files, yeah. and they were that before this podcast. Oh,
1: just yeah, it was already there. And I mean, you know Elizabeth McKern in Chicago, right? From through like Chuck. I know Kansas. her. Yeah, uh, she's like a huge X Files fan, and she takes photographs. And she, when she's setting up her lighting, she has Mulder and Scully like dolls
2: as the stand in.
1: As the stand-ins, and a lot of her photos are those dolls. Oh really? I yeah, have no but they're idea. just like Barbie dolls, like oh, they're not action generic, figures. They they are they're not action figures, no. But they're like full size Barbie doll size. There are Barbie dolls. They doll. have suits on, and I love
2: it. They had. I think they're the greatest. Mulder and Scully Barbie dolls. Yeah, they did.
1: They're super. She has them, and she uses them all the time.
2: I oh, love Oh man, it. Um, I hope you know now when it's coming out in Blu-ray, that'll sort of get people going again. Because I want a third I mean, movie.
1: Oh yeah. Just I feel like they'll do it because, actually, have you seen um, any of the stuff that Jillian Anderson's been doing lately? Like, did you watch The Fall?
2: I watched The Fall and I watched Hannibal. Oh, the Fall so is so good. I would good. say I watch everything she's been yeah. doing lately.
1: I watched a little bit of Californication and I just had to get out. You got to get I out. Couldn't do it.
2: Um, couple things. One, Mulder said recently in a Rolling Stone interview that he wants to make a third movie, yeah, and that it's possible until one of the three dies—him, Jillian, you know, or Chris Carter. Right. Also, again, I, I'm talking about how, you know, people are into the X-Files. And then what I was doing earlier today was watching, Um, I was watching a blooper reel of <laughs> Scully laughing. Oh, Just my God. Just her laughing over and over 10 minutes. It's so weird because, you know, the show obviously runs for nine seasons. And she's when she starts, she's so young. She's got, yeah. like, baby fat. She's 23 or 24. It's oh only her God. second time in front of the camera. They
1: were so young in was that the pilot. pilot
2: so young and so this um super cut of her like laughing sort of jumps around different seasons and it's so jarring to see like super young scully and then yeah. like a, a grown woman scully yeah. and now you know because i've seen hannibal most recently and she's like giggling like you know in this very like youthful kind of way yeah and it really kind of like got me a little emotional thinking about you know just like she was this little kid and now she's yeah. this grown stately woman i mean she's always like stately but she really is in hannibal and the fall she's this very like uh she has a lot of gravitas
1: yes she's so i mean it's almost like she's a president she's a president you no know? like she would, why has she not played the president
2: jillian for president
1: she should i mean gina davis did i feel like she should totally play a president she's got i would say she's got more gravitas than gina davis i, I think so too i love gina davis but she definitely has this like because I don't think Jillian um, Anderson could play like the comedy stuff that Gina Davis could do, right? You know, maybe but not. she can play the. I mean, she's probably one of the best TV, like if not the best, female television drama actors.
2: Jillian? Yes. I mean, uh, yeah, she's amazing. Yeah, she's amazing. I will say the only person I would like to see portray a president before Jillian would be Sigourney Weaver. I think. She, oh, for sure. She play a great president. Yeah, she like would a play a badass. great president too. Yeah, yeah. for sure um thank you so much for coming
1: thank you for having me this um, is so much fun
2: yeah and well you know if you want to come back we'll Absolutely. do a couple more episodes uh next season it's going so fast yeah It. so uh it'll be pretty soon so yeah
1: i would be happy to awesome I thanks for coming it.
2: Alright, thank you so much for listening guys The next episode of the X-Files Files Files Is actually a very special episode It's EBE, which I think is such a fantastic episode Because it's the first one where you really get a sense That a big mythology is developing It's the first time you get a sense That there's some big conspiracy is happening um, And that Things tie together in ways that Mulder doesn't quite understand, and that the audience doesn't quite understand. It's a really, really great episode. Again, there's a couple conversations in that episode that I always think of when I think of The X-Files. And it's a special episode because Dean Hagelin, who plays Langley from The uh, Lone Gunman, is going to be the guest. And he remembers the episode super well and he had some fantastic stories about the episode and about the show as a whole and obviously EBE is the first time that the lone gunman show up and they become such a major part of the X-Files so we went over to his house and we recorded over there and it's a really really interesting great episode and we're only talking about one episode we're only talking about EBE uh, thank you so much for listening go talk about the show on reddit email me at the XFilesfiles at gmail.com follow me on twitter at xfilesfiles thanks guys
0: talking about things you're not qualified to talk about us too The dumb nerds podcast a show where comedians talk about smart topics they're too dumb for every week your host that's me cassie jerkins invites a new funny guest on to get down and nerdy laugh and learn about topics like how to buy a house the terminator movies and the titanic check out dumb nerds today on your favorite podcast app